1: Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition, I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. This is big ol' week 95 of this... It's an
2: important week.
1: Important project.
2: It's an important week
1: and an important project.
2: I mean, that's 19 times 5. Yeah, it is. We've we've done 19 weeks 5 times now.
1: Yep, and within those weeks, we've done either 4 or
2: 5. I should hold off on doing that joke until we reach a more composite number. Because hmm. 19 and 5 are both prime, so I can't, there's yeah. no other ways to do it.
1: You should reach a compost number. and then I should. I should, I should. Let us know when you've composted.
2: Hey, the way this goes is first we're going to talk about the episode of the series that did the worst last week. That's Enterprise. <laughs> I, here's a big warning. Hmm. The thing I'm about to play is Unpleasant. So so maybe take an earbud particularly just um yeah just you know to about 27 seconds okay okay this week we watched demons stuff.
1: <laughs> quality. That's a quality tune. I agree. That's fucking right with the top down to that shit right there. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: You're going to want to jam that. Uh, that, for your benefit, Matthew, is uh the same clip of Little Demon that I used for Demon <laughs> by Voyager, <laughs> um, but stacked 125 times each one one hundredth of a second apart.
1: <laughs> nice. I could hear yeah. it. I heard all of it. Yep. yep I heard yep. the part where he was talking about how he was blowing his top. All that stuff. <laughs>
2: Down in the valley! Yeah, it's sort of like that. Well, okay. Uh, Some kind of suit man and a doctor are looking at someone who, um, they have a fever, and then it turns out it's a baby with Vulcan ears. Is that a good start to the episode?
1: Yeah, well, I was pretty excited about it.
2: Uh, Enterprise has been called home For the announcement of a new Coalition between a bunch of Different planets uh, It's held at Starfleet Academy The whole gang is there Like on the stairs watching a speech And they have a bunch of complaints that they didn't get Like big shoutouts
1: mm-hmm. Yeah where's my medal Yeah exactly I haven't seen my medal yet
2: They're all wearing those uh, those Drug delivery systems from Encounter at Farpoint
1: is one of the pigs gonna bring me the medal? <laughs> one of those pig guys over there.
2: Uh, Mayweather, our nice our nice boy Mayweather runs into his old friend Gannett. but oh, she doesn't that's seem. Her name. Yeah, her name is Gannett. But anyway, he doesn't seem that excited to meet up with her. I guess they have a past, but forget all that because a dying woman stumbles in and puts a vial into Paul's hand and begs her not to let them quote kill her. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's clear from the context that she means someone else, not either. I know that it's difficult it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. to pull or this woman's name is Susan something. We learn later.
1: Yeah, it's a very uh, dramatic um, fucking presser that they're having right now.
2: Yeah, it does beg the question, who let this woman in?
1: Yeah, there ain't no one watching the doors, I
2: guess. Because someone fucking slung a plasma bolt into her gut and she just stumbled in here (laughs) was she shot right outside
1: i mean it would make you think that what was going to end up happening was that that incident was staged but that's not what happened
2: yeah um anyway this vial has got a hair in it from a child that flock says is uh no more than six months old and it contains the child has vulcan and human dna and it's Trip and Paul's DNA specifically.
1: Oh shit.
2: Trip thinks that maybe Paul hid a pregnancy from him. Um but she tells him that's just paranoia. But she also says that she somehow knows, because she's a Vulcan and they just know this kind of stuff. That's that the building, child, right. That the child is theirs. That it's a real child that's theirs. I
1: put that under world building.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a new ability of Vulcans that we are learning. <laughs> you
1: know, in TOS, sometimes I was mad about how many new abilities we would learn about. Like each week, he'd be able to do a new thing. I you know a but...
2: false eyelid, or he could mind meld with a door. <laughs> yeah, he'd they're be like, well, <laughs> right, now what does that mean?
1: Right through a door, <laughs> and do mind control, not even just mind yeah. meld, but just make people do shit. So, you know, I guess we got off kind of easy in Enterprise.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, Archer goes to the guy who gave the speech minister samuels nathan samuels yeah. because he wants to make an announcement to see if anybody will come forward with any information so he is he is like the dad of a kidnapped baby on this one and but except he didn't do it really does that <laughs> make sense yeah sort of this guy says you can't do that there's too much xenophobia like, people can't know about this baby, or they'll lose their fucking minds. Although, they're not losing their minds about a big uh, coalition conference, so... Yeah. Seems like you should give them credit. It doesn't seem like one baby is gonna be a big deal. The but whatever. The conference
1: had fucking pigmen, and had one of them... The dude was wearing an encounter suit, it looked like, or at least a mask. There was some weird shit going on in there.
2: Well, Archer doesn't get anything useful out of this guy, and so he has Reed pay a visit to his leather daddy. <laughs> And that guy reveals that the dead woman was a member of Terra Prime, a xenophobic isolationist movement that maybe got mentioned in season one, I don't remember.
1: Well, you know what's so great about this is, just like its namesake, Demon, I was sure we had seen this episode before. Either that or, like, I don't know, did we see all of these characters before? Because I kept looking at the main bad guy the whole episode and going, we've seen this guy before, right? Like. I mean, I also felt that way. Have we seen his moon base before? Because I felt like we'd seen his moon base before. I was very confused.
2: Did you ever sort it out? Because I did absolutely no (laughs) research as to whether we'd seen this guy before or what the name of that doctor was. I did not. I did no research. I'll do it right now, quickly. All right. Anyway, uh, the Terra Prime is a xenophobic isolationist movement. And uh, obviously they got plans for this baby.
0: Uh
2: cut to the moon where the suit man uh thinks that since susan what's her name got all squishy about this baby after dealing with it for six months maybe the doctor who kind of looks like quentin tarantino but isn't sure uh is also getting squishy but he tries to give it some that he's still loyal but then he calls his buddy Greaves in and if he If you think that that last guy looked like somebody, we'll talk about Graves for probably an hour later.
1: Well, the first guy you were talking about, it's like he's got the same amount of DNA, but it's just all, it's placed differently. Like he looks smaller than Tarantino, but his face looks more like a person's. You know what I mean? But yes, I I definitely saw that.
2: Anyway, that guy's real familiar. Yeah. Anyway, so his buddy Greaves comes in, and he tells him to gather uh, gather up some men to help tie up a loose end at the third junction. I don't know why he's speaking in code to this guy, but. Sure. I think it's for our benefit, so we don't know what's going to happen. Uh Archer goes back and confronts Minister Samuels and says, Hey, we just found out you used to be in Terra Prime. So, you sweeping this whole fucking thing under the rug, or what's the deal? And then the guy has to agree to give him the uh, case file for the investigation into the dead woman. So, it's kind of a little bit of extortion, maybe. Sure. Uh, Mayweather finds his old friend Gannett at his door. She claims she's doing a story on the ship. Um... She tries to break through his icy facade. Says, she says they both called it off, so I guess they got it passed. She convinces him to be a subject of the interview and give her a tour of the ship.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how good... I did a really good job throughout this entire project of not skipping any of any of the episodes. But I, <laughs> I pushed the move ahead 15 seconds button or whatever it is a few times when the, when it was Mayweather and this chick <laughs> now I know that goes against the spirit of the project but I did not want to see it
2: yeah so there yeah. were a couple
1: of times where I went wait what's happening and then I went okay good somebody said something that resolved the part that I didn't see
2: earlier cool yeah um trip goes to ask flocks about the child the specific question he wants to know is if the child's a boy or girl but it's It seems like he's fishing and he still has doubts about T'Pol's honesty and Flock says, you gotta keep that to yourself man. You're talking (laughs) crazy talk and no one's gonna want to hear it and I'm 99% sure T'Pol can beat you up so be careful with this.
1: Yeah, he's channeling this. He's got some big Riker energy in this episode.
2: I mean a little bit he definitely wants to know, if it's not indelicate he wants to know (laughs) who the the father 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 is. (laughs) Right? He has demands to know Um... Greaves finds this suit man watching a speech by the infamous Colonel Green, who they clearly both admire, and it turns out that what Green had done was he did a big euthanasia on all people who had radiation damage after the Third World War so that they wouldn't pass on bad genes.
1: Yeah, we know him from TOS, but we didn't get a lot of background.
2: No, he was just kind of slimy. He was and just self-serving, and kept TOS. trying
1: to kill Abe Lincoln in TOS.
2: Yeah, that's right. He had, he had beef with Honest Abe. Yeah. Um, and then Greaves leaves, and Suitman injects himself with something green. And at this point, I said to myself, "This has got to be a two-parter. There's too much stuff happening."
1: Yeah. I also, unfortunately, came to the same conclusion partway through this episode and went, <laughs> "Oh no, this is really going slow. I'm I'm really worried about this." <laughs>
2: When he's ejecting himself with that thing, I'm like, there's no way this resolves <laughs> in this episode. It's
1: very it's very sad because you just look at how many are left and you just want them to go quickly and be done. And I mean, you think, if I gotta true, do two of
2: these? It's just this one and then the next one and then the finale. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, we're going out on this two-parter and then well, whatever I- happens in the wild finale.
1: Only because of the research I just did right now do I know it's only a two-parter. There was part of me that went, oh, no, are we doing another three-episode
2: arc here? Yeah, it could have been a, could have been a three for, for sure.
1: Uh, by the way, we ain't seen this guy before, so this is just like Demon. He's <laughs> just fucking one of those guys, man. <laughs> Demons is the same thing where I went, I'm
2: fucking sure we've seen this. I, listen, I also thought I had, anyway. Yeah. And I've never seen Enterprise. Must
1: just be that uh, Robocop was all over this, and I know about your love of
2: Robocop the movie. So. Ah, that is Robocop. You're not wrong about that. Um, Mayweather and Gannett stink up Shuttlepod 1 sexually. Flox <sighs> reviews the autopsy data and figures out that uh, the dead woman had been working on the moon in the Orpheus mining colony. And May- Mayweather, who does not have lines in this scene, apparently does have a connection on that colony and can get people in.
1: <laughs> yep. He's in. these um, in a lot of this episode, but they didn't bother yeah, this him. Yeah, is not
2: this one. Uh, and who are they going to send in to this colony where they think maybe Tripp and To Paul's baby are? Matt.
1: <laughs> well, you got a ship full of humans, right? Uh huh. Now we know in the past, Archers had a interesting theory on this. Like when he went to the past in Detroit, and he had a ship full of humans to take with him. Uh huh. But uh-huh. who did he take?
2: He, well, he took To Paul. He took. He took To Paul. So, yeah,
1: I had a feeling he would send her along on this one, too. Yep, yeah,
2: yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Well, that suit's going. Um, <laughs> uh, That doctor from the teaser is found buried under a rock slide there. Anyway, Trip and Tapal get lost on the moon, and they have a little argument about their bond and whether Trip believes it or not. But then they get to Quadrant 3, which I guess is where in the script it said the action's going to be, because they both seem excited to see that. Hmm uh in bed mayweather tells gannett he's been considering getting out of space and staying in one place for a while this is he's gonna uh chop wood on a ranch with some horses
1: uh-huh. uh until some other dude shows
2: up to tell cannot remember to the to name him. what is the vaguely ethnic name of the lady kirk is with
1: oh it's um oh it's uh oh shit
2: antonia Antonia. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Whew. Um, uh, Hoshi discovers a glitch with the universal translators in a scene that is so unimportant that you know that it has to be setting something up, or they would have cut it. Mm-hmm. Trip runs into uh, maybe a foreman or something. It's, he certainly isn't doing any actual mining. It's a guy named uh, Josiah. And he's a real xenophobe, and he invites Trip to a secret meeting. After Trip fucking barely plays along about not liking aliens.
1: <laughs> hey, let me tell you, it was at this point I started to second guess whether this would be a two-parter.
2: You <laughs> this was now moving too fast
1: because that was so easy. I went, oh, they're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Uh, to Paul goes to investigate the place where she heard they found that doctor's body, but she catches two bolts from uh, Greaves right away. By that doctor, I don't think she. I don't think she gets to bend all the way over to look.
1: By that, Doctor, do you mean Crenton, Toronto?
2: Yeah, Crenton, Toronto. <laughs> um, Trip, uh, goes to this meeting, which turns out to be A, pretty anti Starfleet, yeah. which everyone seems into. Um, but B, it turns out Josiah knows who he is and calls him out right away. Uh,. Mayweather's about to go on duty, leaving this woman alone in his quarters to, quote, do some work when uh, Reed and Archer and a couple of Makos show up with angry looks on their face to haul her away. Turns out she's a member of Terra Prime. They found out because she did a universal translator hack or something. That's that thing from Hoshi from five minutes ago.
1: Mm, well, it's a good thing they waited. It would have been embarrassing for the nice boy if they if they'd come in while they were doing their business.
2: Was well, they were having bra sex. Yeah, well, they were
1: having that bra sex that you sometimes yeah. see on the UPN.
2: Yeah, UPN bra sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh A trip into Paul are reunited in the suit man's office. He introduces himself as John Frederick Paxton and tells them that he is giving Earth back to humanity. Oh. Then he reveals that the moon base is a spaceship and it starts <laughs> taking off. <laughs> Um uh Gannett demands a lawyer. Archer has her hauled off to the brig. The base warps to Mars that takes it five seconds, and then it lands at the Verteron array, which is used to deflect comets and it shoots a beam at the moon that, as far as we could tell, doesn't do much, but he he gets on the horn to everybody. I don't know how he does that. I guess he could just get on the horn, yeah, and he's,
1: he he's got a email list that's just everybody. Yeah,
2: and he says he won't, he won't fire it again as long as all non-humans leave the system for good to be continued.
1: I like to think that the original name of this script was The Moonbase is a Spaceship.
2: I just, um...
1: It seems like everything was just leading up to that great moment,
2: so... <clears throat> it's not good CG. It's like... Do you know in Final Fantasy VII, mm. the first time that... Uh, they go to fire the big cannon. Mm-hmm. S- Sister Ray, maybe. S-
1: Sister Ray at the uh, at Junon. Junon Harbor yeah. or whatever.
2: And it like it cuts into the from the live action cutscene into the cinematic cutscene. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it looks like with this moon base lands on Mars.
1: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. Uh I assume you want me to tell you what this was yeah, about. Yeah, would
2: you please tell yeah. me what this episode was about, Matt.
1: Uh focusing on outside threats like aliens. Allows the problems inside to fester, I put a question mark. Uh, So much worry about the Zindi and Enterprise and alien threats and the whole time a bunch of bad guys were doing bad guy stuff in the background and now they're a big problem.
2: It took over the whole Verderon
1: array. Yeah, and then they emailed everyone about it. (laughs) It It was spam. I thought
2: it was spam when I got it. (coughs)
1: <coughs> uh, other than... In fact,
2: Google sent it right to my spam filter I <laughs> You didn't even see I mean, it I saw that it was it. there, but I didn't read it Yeah. Uh,
1: other than like xenophobia is <coughs> bad I couldn't really find much else in this So, mm. uh, But it's true It's true that sometimes if you're spending all your time Scapegoating the people outside of your little uh, realm Odds are some bad shit's going on inside I give it a five
2: um, well, yeah, I guess this one is just about the dangers of xenophobia and doesn't have any particular nuanced point to make, at least in part one. It's true, we unless, do have another one coming. Yeah, unless the take is that racists will take advantage of a nice boy. It's true. I mean...
1: They honeypotted him. Think about him. his
2: feelings, man. That's rough. They honeypotted a boomer. They did. To get... What?
1: That you the sweet UT hack. I guess she had no, to be next she did to the that UT at the conference, right? Oh, well, then I don't really remember what she was doing. Well, I did skip those scenes, so okay. I thought maybe you could tell me what she was doing there.
2: She hacked it so that she'd be able to overhear all of the delegates talking to each other.
1: Oh, Okay, yeah, then I don't know what she was doing on Enterprise. But she, that.
2: she did a bad job, and some of them started mixing up the languages and how she got Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I mean, xenophobia is bad, and, like, we still got it. Sure. We, we still got it? It's still, still around?
1: Were, you can say it in it's a... It's
2: pretty much all around?
1: You can say it in a celebratory way if you want it. We still got it. Yeah. Just like in 2004 or whatever year this was, we still got it.
2: Um. So, I mean, I'm giving it as much as a four, but, like, I kind of think they just wanted to have the moon base turn into a spaceship, <laughs> if you ask me. I think so, too. They kind of built everything around that.
1: All right, well, we don't have any Ben's notes, so... um, What about the execution on this one?
2: Well, it's hard to ignore that all that's left is this two-parter and then the conclusion. Mm -hmm. Presumably when the season was planned out, they didn't know this or they would have done something different. But it's like, I don't care if Reed is getting dragged back into Section 31. The show's over. Right. And it's the same with the plot. Like, we know the Federation is going to happen and these guys are like the last antagonists we'll ever see.
1: Yeah, it's once you realize the whole show is going to be over, none of the plot really matters. The only yeah. way they would be able to score points there is just by doing character work, I think.
2: Yeah. Like, if if it had felt more planned out, if it had been, like, building throughout this season, like, if they'd if we'd had a council of monsters with this guy and this doctor the whole time... Uh-huh. <laughs> God, I would have hated that. For sure, that would have sucked, but having the story be, like, the final hurdle to overcome is from within would have been interesting but this is like it's too close at the end to introduce it yeah and it would be too rushed if that if that was an intentional thought and they just said oh we'll just do a two-parter where it's like they have to deal with some internal stuff
1: i would have loved if just at the end of each episode there was two or three frames just of the moon base (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just so we could get start getting our eyes on that good, good moon base. Just technology. like a
2: fucking ARG where people are piecing it together. Like, um, okay, we know it's the moon. <laughs> that's right. I recognize the moon part. One guy has a fucking crackpot theory. Hey, do you think that base becomes a spaceship? <laughs> and then it's like everyone's like, "What? No,
1: that's so stupid." And then later on, they're like, "I bet that guy worked for UPN."
2: Uh, same line of thinking. I think it's way too late in the game for this. Trip doesn't trust to Paul story arc. Yeah. It was like, who cares one way or the other?
1: First of all, I thought, well, I think it was last week, they agreed that they were going to totally date now or whatever. And everything was cool. sure. They did a kissing and everything. And now he's just like, who's the father and all that business?
2: I mean, by last week, do you mean three episodes ago, which <laughs> was the last time we saw the actual people? <laughs>
1: was that three? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we had the stupid Because we had two uh, in mirror darklies. Okay, yes. Yeah, so before that then. God, I, it's like I fucking... That whole thing just blinked out of my memory.
2: <laughs> well, it blinked off of Landru too. <laughs> they put together a total of 26 points between those two episodes. Yeah, there was a so. reason
1: they keep going first
2: these days. Yeah. Um, I gave it a three for execution. It's I just don't. like it's the wrong time to tell any of these stories and I don't want to get into it, but... Oh, I already talked about the bad CG and the fact that it became clear that halfway through that none of this was going to be resolved and the weird (laughs) feeling i have that i knew who those characters were yes
1: i thought for sure there had been another episode with the evil guy in his moon base i was like oh we're we're revisiting this and then i thought but what was the other one about (laughs) because there was no other one um all right i was pretty close i gave it a two um I guess I should give him credit like everything in this episode about do you know
2: what the moon base one is you're probably thinking about is the uh the one where the shit the Aenir or the Acer or whatever the one where they go to visit the weird super Andorians in mm-hmm. their underground base
1: oh maybe the underground base was what was throwing me off yeah it could be yeah. I don't know was Peter Weller in
2: that uh yeah but he just got like just all shot up he didn't really <laughs> have any lines okay
1: uh, anyway, everything in this episode that's about Terra Prime and the racist extremists, just like in the government, like uh, old man Tam Elbrun there, and um, and in powerful, <laughs> spoiled it. powerful corporations like, um, what's the guy's name? Dexter? Wexter? Paxton? Paxton? Um, yeah. uh, like running a, a powerful corporation with evil intentions. That all feels very modern because of what society is. Uh, As always, this infiltration mission to the mine is a terrible operation. They send the two parents of the mystery baby, which seems like a lot of emotion to bring in.
2: A, not only that, but B, definitely send the two crew members of Enterprise that the bad guys will definitely recognize. (laughs) That they definitely know by name. So
1: that was my second point, was hey, don't they know who these two people are? (laughs) Yeah, They, they will, huh? They straight took their DNA and made a baby. And they picked
2: them. They picked these two. It took their DNA. You think maybe don't send them undercover.
1: And three, you're supposed to be infiltrating this uh, fucking anti-alien racist organization. So why not send a Vulcan? Yep. I just, I mean, everything about it was wrong. They'd made all the wrong choices. I mean, you they, know, you they know really it. Did. it was Archer. Archer made all the wrong choices.
2: Yeah, he did a bad job. Well, they both asked if they could go on the mission and Archer clearly didn't care. <laughs> he, he
1: didn't really say yes or no. He just kind of nodded. Uh, anyway, again, that was just like when they went to Detroit and he took T-Pole and T-Pole was a bad (laughs) cop in Detroit and I didn't know what was happening. And I think the guy ordered like a super beef or something at the, at the drive, the drive through. He called her a veggie. Do you remember this? I do remember. All the dialogue was slightly wrong. Like, like it was. I remember
2: when she threatened to fucking cold ice him if he didn't put out (laughs) a cigarette. Is that what you're asking?
1: She was a bad cop in that one but like all the dialogue was just slightly wrong like it took place in the present but they were trying to make it take place like 10 years in the future or something and they had to make up some cool slang but they just they got it all wrong Uh, anyway um the first time trip meets this guy josiah is trips like a video game it's like a video game npc like it opens with i hate aliens and then you click yeah me too and then he goes, yep. "Let's get those aliens." And then you click, "Yeah, the only good aliens a Dev One." <coughs> and then the guy goes, "Hey, you're all right. Why not come to our secret xenophobe meeting? Come later?
2: to the secret meeting tonight."
1: It's like, huh? Now I know it turned out later that the guy knew who he was. I was well, but in, him, in
2: that but. case, Trip should have gone. Oh, that was way too easy, <laughs> <Yeah>. honestly. <laughs> I barely. felt like I was him. looking for me.
1: I said almost nothing.
2: That guy had some bullshit excuse about how they only gave this map to brand new people. Yeah, you look lost. That don't make no sense. I brought it with me. (laughs) Right. Uh,
1: Then they started making Josiah talk about reparations, and I was worried that these garbage (laughs) writers were trying to make a reverse racism connection or something equally awful. And then this guy's Bond villain plan with his fucking moon-based spaceship made me really embarrassed. Yeah. Why was Mayweather allowed in the interrogation of his girlfriend?
2: It doesn't seem like good policy. And then, then great,
1: it's a two-parter. Just what I was looking forward to. So, yeah, just a two for me. The only reason it gets that much is because the themes are still kind of relevant, you know?
2: Well, maybe they did a bunch of world-building?
1: They did some. You got this uh, peace conference or whatever it's supposed to be. With these aliens, with old Tam Elbrun, who's a former Terra Prime member. And then he got Vulcans and humans can make babies. We already know this from Star Trek, but I'm not sure they knew it by this point in the timeline. Uh, Although Phlox is like, I mean, you guys are basically the same. I don't, I don't see why not. You guys, right when you were doing it, you probably noticed you're basically the same. <laughs>
2: I thought you were just trying to tell her Vulcans and humans probably couldn't make babies so that you didn't have to uh, wrap it up.
1: (laughs) There's no need for that. We probably can't even make a baby. Um, Then I put in here, have we previously seen this dude on his moon base before? It felt familiar, but I can't remember. Uh, We've seen a Corridon. He was wearing a cool mask so he could breathe, I guess, probably.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean... I think in one of them novels or whatever, they said that was a ceremonial mask to explain why he didn't look like. I guess we'd seen some Corridons before.
1: Oh, I didn't. Even <coughs> and know they that.
2: just had like normal bare faces.
1: Well, oh, well, he's doing a ceremony or whatever. Uh, Colonel Green continuity. The mines on the moon are a hotbed of Terra Prime activity. Got a big fucking laser mining operation on the moon. What were they mining? They always, they usually say the mineral.
2: I don't know, because the we don't really see what they're doing, but, like, at first it looked like they were just picking up a bunch of rocks by hand, and I was like, they can't be mining rock on the moon, can they? That don't <laughs> we make need, no sense. We need more moon rock. We need more rock. But it turned out they were just unburying the dead doctor, so well,
1: probably not that. In the future, scientists force people to mine on the moon for cool moon rocks that they can study. Oh, it could be. Big science, you know?
2: Once, once science uh, really exerts its power you know, with their takeover of the libs <laughs> real science right. really asserts its power starts forcing honest americans honest to, uh, terra
1: prime americans
2: honest humans to mine moon rocks to study while uh aliens eat at chinese restaurants <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh anyway it's a big mining colony with warp engines um the Verderon array on mars which i guess is used to redirect comets I wonder if he affected the moon's orbit at all when he shot it. Because that thing's whole uh, so job I, is to push things.
2: It's hard to tell if there was anything at the spot on the moon he shot or if he just, like, kicked up a little dust. Yeah. Or, I couldn't Because really, doesn't seem like it should have done much.
1: Anyway, there's a lot in there and I gave it a four.
2: Yeah, it's a four for me as well and, in fact, he covered pretty much all the basics, uh, or the base... Jesus, bases, um... <laughs> Uh, we learn a little bit more about Colonel Green. We learned specifically that he did a post World War 3 radiation euthanasia. Uh, we also have the wearable universal translators.
1: Yep. Hey, if when they were doing the clips of Colonel Green, how great would it have been if he'd said some shit about how much he hated Abe Lincoln? <laughs> just <laughs> now, to really you know, I
2: have always hated Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> just, it would be like, that's wild. Just to tie it all up, you know, what a coincidence! Wow.
1: I wonder if that alien knew that when he made him fight Abe Lincoln.
2: I also hate logical peacemaker types.
1: (laughs) And also, starship captains. You guys don't know what that is yet, but uh, I got an idea (laughs) about it. That I hate. So to
2: recap, I hate Abe Lincoln, (laughs) Surak of Vulcan, Kirk and Spock.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay, you filmed it, right?
2: Okay, good. Also, sentient rock (laughs) men. I hate those guys, too. (laughs) Yep. That was a dumb movie. Uh, Episode. Not even a movie. Yeah, you're having problems. I am. I have no brain. <laughs> that's all right. We all, you
1: know. Today, brain no and brain. brain. What is brain?
2: That's what I e- say. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. In the beginning of this show, the universal translator was a thing you had to hold, and it just did a text translation, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And,
2: and then Hoshi would have to read back the thing off of it. But at some point, they were like, "That's too much. Too many minutes on this." And now. It's a thing that the both people can wear and they can just hear each other like normal, yeah, it's like a step in the direction of the future where we won't even see them wearing it anymore.
1: It does seem like she advanced that technology about hundred and fifty years or something.
2: She That's really she pushed it way forward in like' this short mission. It's a I mean it's a big it's a big plastic box now, so I mean, I guess there's still room for improvement.
1: yeah, they're gonna uh, you know decrease the size, form factor all that.
2: yeah, characterization. Uh, first off, didn't love everyone being grumpy about not being name-checked in the big speech. Oh, uh, yes. Bad look for the whole crew.
1: <laughs> they all—they were all involved in and that the, one.
2: And then at the end, T-Paul comes up and she's like, you know, he should have said some stuff about us. And I was like, all right, you suck too. <laughs> yep. uh,
1: the only one who didn't, didn't suck was Archer. It was weird. Yeah.
2: Well, except I didn't love him ordering them to clap louder. <laughs> Clap louder, he says. That's an order.
1: I did see a lot of reporters, and I wondered if any of them picked that up. Him shouting, <laughs> clap louder, that's an order.
2: Yeah, you would think so, <laughs> huh? You'd think that their uh, their audio technology would be better in 2150-whatever, mm-hmm. and they'd be able to pick that up. It'd be on Space TMZ. Uh, Trip is a mess. Paul's a mess. Hoshi's a plot element. Mayweather gets a little bit of backstory here at the end. But it sucks that it's just so he can be a dupe. Yeah. This ain't good. It ain't good for anybody. I he, gave it a three.
1: He never found his groove the way Harry Kim has in season no. of whatever a Voyager we're in.
2: He's got a new haircut and he's taking night shifts on the bridge. That is my spoiler alert for the episode <laughs> Drone. That's
1: all right, everybody. Stay tuned. Judah will tell you why Drone is his favorite episode of the series so far. <laughs> um, Again, I was close. <laughs> For me, it only rated a 2, though. The whole crew is real glory-hungry in this opening scene, like you said. It's a hella bad look. And again, even t Pole comes up and is mad about it, and you just wonder, has she been spending too much time around these people?
2: You know, it's probably that bond she's got with Trip. It just makes her a real
1: catfish person like him. Uh, Yeah, Hoshi really did make those enhancements to the UT, like we learned in that Mirror episode.
2: Um in her late thirties though in the mirror episode it said she did that. Oh man. i I had Hoshi younger than that in my brain. I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Maybe
1: if we got more I, looks at a hand bra. I mean than
2: she I was now. like a whole <laughs> <laughs> she's like a whole PhD, but like I still had her like I could you know if you said Hoshi's oh, about thirty two at this point in the series, I would have said sure.
1: Yeah. Um I said out loud, I don't know if she heard it, but it was in the middle of one of Marjan's Zoom calls. I said out loud, ew, when that lady, I just had her name as Granite, yeah, told Mayweather that they never had a problem mixing business and pleasure before. Yeah, that's nasty. I was like, oh, I don't want to see any of this. That's when I decided to do skips. Um, Anyway, he used to date this lady, but they broke up, and I guess it's a big deal for some reason. He thinks he might leave the ship for this lady. I wasn't sure. I wasn't. I mean, sure. it's what it sounds like, but it's, it's wild. It's odd. That <laughs> I have here. Yeah, Reed. She shot herself in the chest and stumbled into this peace conference to tell people
2: they're going to kill her. You have to save her. Good yep. fucking theory. That's a very traditional suicide approach: <laughs> is to have make sure you give someone an important mission on the way out. <laughs>
1: uh maybe it was
2: self-inflicted i just fucking guffawed at my desk um i mean i get it she seemed crazy but like yeah it just come on man seemed like an odd
1: motivation uh
2: trip gives t-pol a real who's the
1: father attitude i'm tired of him and everybody else on this show uh, I have another T-Pol note here. I guess I forgot I had her up above. t knew the child was hers as soon as Flock said it. That sounds logical. Maybe now somebody should ask her about time travel. Sounds like she's ready to talk about it. Yeah, just a two. Uh, what about some quick hitters? Okay, I guess. Uh, every episode now I just go, do we even have to do this? like the show's <laughs> nearly done like why did they bother making this episode
2: yeah but we did turn about intruder i know i
1: felt, I think i felt the oh, same way a,
2: a real trash can of an episode
1: <laughs> i just wondered why they even made it though like they could have oh, just yeah. cut it short by three or four episodes no one would have missed it um again will those mics pick up archer yelling clap louder that's an order <laughs> um <laughs> Jesus, hey Reed, go meet your contact at what appears to be out of an old film noir, like, like a wharf with a bunch of steamy grates and shit. Yeah, I guess
2: they don't use. I guess they don't use all them piers in San Francisco that much these days. They're all pretty much abandoned. at night, you can pre- just go there.
1: Pretty steamy though, still steamy.
2: Oh, they're steamy. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> I have so many worst actor candidates in this shit. Like, this was wall to wall bad actors. Um. And then my final note, there's no way in hell this show was better than seven days. (laughs) Like, I bet it's not even as good as Andromeda. Uh,
2: I don't have that many quick hitters. Uh, (laughs) uh, Like you said, Tam Elbrun as this minister. Mm -hmm. He's a Already been in a Voyager episode, but apparently we missed it. Or maybe we commented on it when it happened. Probably did. Oftentimes Givis I remember
1: his... it at the time, and then later I
2: forget again. It was a season three episode, so I don't know. Go listen to those episodes again if you want to see if we said that. Right. Um, my boy Greaves here looks yeah. more than a little like Tony Todd, huh?
1: I mean, I got it for sure. It looks like if you mixed Tony Todd and like... There's a guy I'm thinking of, and I can't remember his name. Oh, fuck. But it looked like um, Tony Todd. Maybe was also missing a little bit of DNA. <laughs> so well,
2: uh, it was doubly hard for me because this is uh, Greaves is played by uh, uh, Peter Mensa, and uh, everybody feel free to Google that and see the one million times people have been like. There's just, like, a million pictures of him and Tony Todd side by side. It's obviously not... <laughs> I'm not the first person to have this thought. Right. Oh, uh, oh the
1: person I was thinking of was Tay Diggs. It looked like um, Tony Todd mixed with Tay Diggs, but it didn't lead to something more attractive than Tony Todd. <laughs> didn't be Tony Todd for you? No, it led to something less attractive.
2: Um, but it's tough for me because this guy's one of the main characters in Spartacus Blood and Sand, so, oh. like, also, not, I mean, his, his face was familiar because I'd seen him... Um, you know, fight fight people and get, whip his dick out and all kinds of stuff in that. <laughs> I was so. going to
1: say, he probably was just tearing it up
2: out there. Yeah. Uh, what else did I write for quick hitters? Good question. Why are we doing a Mayweather story with two episodes left? Really? Send the members of your crew these guys definitely recognize in. And, uh, oh, I see Mayweather's just a punching bag. I gave Best Actor to Greaves, um... Okay. He uh, was real good with that hog and Spartacus, so good work, buddy. <laughs> Worst actor, Crazy Susan, whoever the phase pistol target. She sucked for sure. Um, And we don't have to talk about this episode again, except that I traditionally ask you at this point, are you excited for part two?
1: I mean, after they pull out the moon base, has warp engines <laughs> revealed? Like, I don't... What? How can I be? They don't have anything left. That was it. That's their bag of here, tricks.
2: Here are some things that have uh, just have not been explained. Hmm. What do these guys want with the baby? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it important that the baby had a fever but recovered from it? Is that related <laughs> to the green goo the guy shot into his neck? Oh yeah. Do they have other plans beside holding the ho- system hostage thanks to the Verderon array? Sure. Is Is Mayweather's girlfriend really a spy or was she just lawyering up because that's smart? And then (laughs) um, does it matter that Tam Elbrin used to be in Terra Prime? Let's uh, stay tuned to Terra Prime to see if any of those questions are answered. That was diligent work. Those are all
1: things that I now remember from the episode.
2: (laughs) I'm sure I heard them when they happened and now I totally remember them. Third place last week was Voyager. Yes. This week we watched Drone
1: okay seven gets caught practicing smiling by schmullis and gets cheesed off about it uh they're gonna go out on an astronomical survey if this were ds9 they'd be going to the gamma quadrant
2: I just want to make one very small point here that she tells him to fucking knock before he comes into her bedroom.
1: Well, it'll come up again in this episode, which yeah, is. that's right, he's that's got, right.
2: It will. He's got problems.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, he's got problems. I mean, they need to turn him off. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, they're gonna look at some kind of dumb cloud, I know, radiation. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, TP and Balana are going along too. Shit goes bad when they get caught in the sheer line of this nebula that they're looking at. Uh, the noob transporter chief beams everybody back, but Shmullus's emitter is damaged. You know, the mobile emitter that he's so fucking fond of.
2: Yep. Uh,
1: this long-ass teaser ain't done yet, though. Bolana starts an all-night diagnostic of the emitter, which quickly, like, spits out some Borg tubules and tries to assimilate the console it's parked on top of. Now we got credits.
2: Yeah, the transporter nonsense, all their patterns merged for a second, but oh. then this guy, Mulcahy, he, he worked it out. Oh, well, he thought he did. Um,
1: Captain's log, this nebula is still growing out of control, so I'm guessing that's the ticking clock of this episode, but guess what? It didn't really matter.
2: <laughs> no. Um, well, it was important that for some reason they not leave the nebula. Yes,
1: they had to, there had they to be a reason for them to keep Stay studying. there. Yeah. Uh wakes <laughs> Balana up early so she can get back to work on his emitter, and then he spies on her in the shower like a fucking criminal.
2: But it's terrible.
1: According to him, it's totally fine. You know, his own mouth, according to him himself. Oh yeah. He himself said that he sucks.
2: Uh, he says I'm a doctor, so you should it's wrong of you to be upset that <laughs> I just turned on your camera in the shower well, without he, your consent. By the way. Why? How could he do that? Why? Well,
1: no. Why is that monitor there?
2: Listen, I guess if you get a fucking priority message from Admiral Whatever, you can't go to the other room. I mean, we know Picard doesn't put on a shirt before he answers his from bed. No, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. There's no reason that there should be. It just seems odd. But okay, but didn't it also seem like there is no special designated area to take a shower in her bathroom? Oh uh, yeah, she just like she into just the went in it. there and said Sonic shower and took off her clothes and she was just standing like in front of her sink.
1: That's what Korean bathrooms are like too. Just you know, they haven't quite mastered the Sonic technology yet. They still use was, water like a bunch of idiots.
2: I always wonder when there's no special shower enclosure how these people keep their toilet paper from getting wet.
1: It's <laughs> a super good question. I haven't thought about it. They must keep it in a little compartment. Maybe. Like a yeah. traditional box, maybe, for TP. Not that TP, but the other TP. Um. Anyway. um. He says it's totally fine that he spies on her. Seven's proximity alarm goes off for Borg reasons, so they are, like, about to try to find some Borg lurkers or something. When Transporter Chief Noob, he walks into the diagnostic room, and he gets got by a tubule. Seven and two Vork go down to check it out and find a Borg maturation chamber, uh, the unconscious noob, and Seven's own nanoprobes just leaking all over
2: this fucking room. Yeah, it, oh, the whole place stinks like her perfume in there. mm mm-hmm.
1: uh, I don't know if this was made clear before, but now they tell us the transporter merged the mobile emitter with her nanoprobes and created a new futuristic Borg thing. That, um... It took tissue from the noob and created a new kind of cyborg. Yeah. A fancy cyborg.
2: 29th century cyborg.
1: Yeah. Played by that Nazi. Played by that Nazi from the World War II simulation.
2: That's the same guy?
1: I, as soon as he opened his mouth, I knew it was him.
2: He's still a windbag. <laughs> he was doing, doing an accent.
1: He's still a windbag, even as this Borg. Uh,
2: uh, you mentioned Robocop earlier. <laughs> his fucking suit looked like uh, bad cosplay of RoboCop. It's, it is like... I know why there's no HD version of Voyager, because you could fucking <laughs> see all the weird clay mold lines on this shitty plastic armor he was wearing. It was the worst looking thing.
1: Yeah, dude, you could see all the fucking parts where they didn't trim it, the stuff off the tree very well. <laughs> what do they call that? That's a term. A flashing. Flashing, yeah. You could see all that shit all over it. Yeah, it looked bad. Dude, it looked
2: fucking terrible. This was, i mean it was an awful outfit the fucking silver back of his head was not adhered to his head properly <laughs> it like kind of moved independently. it was very bad
1: like when you go back if you didn't grow up watching star trek when you go back and you watch the original borg episodes you
2: must laugh like,
1: he must be like, this is the big enemy? These guys who, like, walk like bad zombies and are they look like they're made out of vacuum tubes and shit?
2: One arm is 10 inches longer than the other <laughs> one because the, the they had to fit a fucking huge motor in there to turn a little tiny antenna at the end of it.
1: <laughs> so that must be really dumb, but for me, watching this guy, I was like, man, this looks even worse than the original Borg.
2: Well, for the, for the one millionth time, I said to myself, well, they got the Red Dwarf budget this week, huh? <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, anyway, Janeway orders. It's look like a
2: Gelf. That's all I'm saying.
1: Janeway orders it to grow into a big Borg. <laughs> she fucking makes a summoning circle and screams into the heavens, "Arise, new Borg, greater than all the rest! Come to life and fuck shit up in this quadrant like we do best." <laughs> it's a strange order. Uh, anyway, they talk about how cool and advanced this Borg is going to be, like it's the new PlayStation or whatever. Have you seen the specs
2: on this Borg? Mm -hmm. No, he's from the 29th century, so He can do a lot of teraflops And his loading times are (laughs) quite small And uh, I've heard that for some reason It's like it even takes less time to download the games It doesn't make sense that it would But that's what people are saying It's crazy,
1: it's fucking crazy And you'll never be able to get one
2: No, you can't have one (laughs) Ever
1: Trust me. (laughs) Even if your Xbox
2: broke last week You can never have one I
1: recently had to look for a new Borg And you cannot get one um, Seven Seven tells Janeway that there's still time to kill this Borg yes. just as a reminder like the it's not too late but Janeway is Kirk this week and this week only she won't kill <laughs> so they're gonna brainwash it like its name is Chaco and make it the perfect Starfleet Borg yeah uh, the Borg comes out of the oven and again it's that Nazi guy who got two thirds of the lines in that Hirogen episode um, but you know a Borg Anyway, it's real scary, and he tries to take all of her knowledge when she links with him, but when she complains that he's hurting her, he stops what he's doing. Then they teach it the rest of everything, I suppose, uh, by plugging it into a console and using some... Yeah, they
2: give him one speaking spell at a time to teach him the rest.
1: <laughs> give him some fucking huge chunky data nodes to plug into. <laughs> uh, It follows Seven around like sh- she's his mom... Uh, look it's lol
2: you get it it is lol we're doing it's the offspring two smell Vorg edition
1: all of that yeah everybody treats it like a baby it interacts with various members of the crew whatever
2: they give it a lot of time alone with neelix and the doctor two that's two big mistakes
1: again do you remember the time microsoft made that ai and they put it on the internet and in three hours it was Hitler. <laughs> it
2: learned racism immediately it was
1: hitler by the end of the afternoon that's like why would you put this thing with neelix and the doctor (laughs) it's gonna be ruined immediately
2: neelix take this fresh baby that (laughs) has the strength of a million men and can learn instantly to the doctor it's not i really want you to hand him off
1: you should quarantine that thing till it has eaten every data node then (laughs) let it eat
2: the rest of the damn data nodes first
1: yeah then and only then put it in front of the doctor uh eventually The Borg accidentally contacts the Borg. It's not his fault. The technology does it automatically, it sounds like.
2: Um, It even grows a second transceiver to do it. They really want you to know it's not his fault. Yeah, and he's like, ooh, the Borg, that sounds interesting.
1: That's what I am. I want to know more about the Borg. So they show it some, like, negative propaganda about the Borg. (laughs) (laughs) Just just show them the Borg just eradicating people and shit. And... um, but he's still like, damn, I really want to do the hive mind thing. Like, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Uh, just then a Borg ship shows up. It's going to blast Voyager real good. Uh, after some chatting, Seven and One, his uh, he chose his name. It's One. It's not Frankenstein. Um, Try to augment Voyager's defenses. Eventually, One decides to beam over to the Borg ship and uh, blow it up from within, I guess. He flies it into that nebula that we've been looking at this whole episode, and it gets crushed by the pressure. Uh, he survives the explosion, but it's Star Trek, so he only lives long enough to say, thank you for my life. I mean, he says the Borgs won't stop pursuing him because he's fancy, so he actually kills himself on the medical bed. But
2: <clears throat> Yeah, although they have no, the Borgs have no way of knowing that he's not on Voyager, so now it just kind of seems like Voyager's on their own. Like, still this doesn't the board should still be coming for him, but. Um,
1: Maybe they got a, like an automated alarm or something that said he died. I don't know. Yeah, I
2: guess so. They're like, oh, never mind. He's dead. Uh, also, that one ship is back. You <laughs> you guys know the one. The one that. You remember we made a or, deal with them. Do you remember that? They were here a while back. I don't remember what Seems it was. Seems like about. they've been breaking that deal. I don't know. They were here when I we. I forget what it was.
1: They were here when we won our great patriotic war against those aliens. You guys remember? Yeah. When we won it by ourselves. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, anyway, the guy kills himself, and then uh, Seven mourns him, I suppose, and then in the end, she ain't smiling no more.
2: Yeah, she goes back and looks at that mirror
1: again. She ain't smiling this time, though. What was this episode about?
2: Uh, No one is born evil, and people raised in safe and nurturing environments turn out safe and nurturing. Uh, There's almost like 10 different takes going through this one because the plotting is not masterful, (laughs) but uh, ultimately we take a Borg, the ultimate enemy, and we raise him among our crew, and then the crew even trusts him to help them, and they let him go back on the Borg ship even, and then they see their trust rewarded by his sacrifice.
1: Yeah, but he was so arrogant when he said, They will fail! Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, how could you not send him over there?
2: Even if he's wrong,
1: you have to be like, all right, shit.
2: Yeah, he seems pretty confident. <laughs> I mean,
1: shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I mean, it doesn't seem like that take should be a big deal, but you, old school racism is back. Yeah. Uh, I'm 90% sure that a brand new racist term was nationalized last week, so. Oh, that's fun. It's, you know, like... It's just back, so the if Demons was about xenophobia being bad, this one is about xenophobia being bad, but it's only one part. Mm. Um, But I, yeah, anyway, they take a bad guy, but look, he could be good. He's just good if you give him good examples. So yeah. I gave it a seven.
1: Okay. All right. Um I had a different take again as you said there were some other there were some things There was happening. a
2: bunch of stuff happening there's again more individuality stuff going on like in basically every 7 of 9 episode and
1: Yep and I did take the 7 of 9 plot in this one which for me it was her like realizing seeing the things that he's saying and and noticing those things about herself basically that she used to and-
2: say and realizing that maybe she doesn't feel like that anymore, and right. et cetera. Right, it's a big growth episode for her.
1: Yeah. So I said, uh, "Hey, having kids can help you learn some things about yourself too. Like, yeah, seeing their journey helps you realize the way you thought and felt when you were growing up, and, and in,
2: let you know that a couch is soft and <laughs> That's
1: right. Smell. Um, in Seven's case, seeing this guy's fascination with the Borg allows her to finally feel like." Like part of Voyager's crew for real, she like she ain't she ain't Borg no more. She ain't one of them. She ain't with them. Uh, I gave it a five. I thought I think it's fine, basically. Okay. Execution. It's not a terrible episode because it is exactly another episode we've already done, and that was a decent <laughs> episode. the, mm-hmm. op- the offspring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, it's Voyager, so it's not handled as well. Like, we got to have this whole thing. Janeway is nuts, as always.
2: (laughs) Like, this Borg shouldn't exist, but she's just like, I don't know, what the hell? Janeway thinks she's in an episode about abortion this week, and it's just like, (laughs) it's just not. That's just a parallel that you could draw, except that five minutes later, he's already six years old.
1: (laughs) And, of course, there has to be a big firefight. But, I mean, even the Borg threat in this episode means that the drone has to, like, show how much it's learned about humanity or whatever in the end by sacrificing itself twice. Yeah. So that doesn't really sink it either. The most committed actor on the show is involved, too, so that helps. So, like, overall, it's actually not it's actually not that bad. But, yeah. man, <laughs> it's unoriginal. <laughs> like, they took the same montages and shit. It's just like, I know, I've seen this, I know. Yeah.
2: It is exactly the offspring mixed with an episode we have not yet covered here, I, Borg.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yep.
2: And done less gracefully than either of them, frankly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was a five. You know? It's uh, not bad as far as Voyager is concerned, because they're just trying to be TNG.
2: Um, I have it as a five also. Uh, Okay, so you and I were surprised that the offspring worked, because it is insanely corny. It's a, a, an extremely corny episode, for sure. It's a powerfully corny episode. Oh, and it's, fu- and it's, that-
1: got, it's full of the bad Admiral Starfleet nonsense that is always <laughs> happening. Ugh. <laughs> yeah.
2: And the same is true here. Um, and because Voyagers and in TNG, it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. Uh, as usual, the main culprit here is wasted minutes. Um, this new dude doesn't say a word until the halfway point of the episode because they have to spend so long showing and explaining how he came to be. Because
1: it's fucking
2: dumb. Right? <laughs> yep. Um, And so then they have to really fucking rush through it. In an episode where he already had to live his whole life in one episode, he only gets half. Um. <laughs> And then he goes out nobly instead of tragically, and because it's been so rushed, that's less earned?
1: Yeah, no shit.
2: And it means that things like the obvious return of her saying, you're hurting me, and the with but with different intent, and the obvious mirror with different facial expressions, bookends feel a little cheaper. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's student filmmaking, as you often point out about DS9. G- correct, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and I think that it's extra student filmmaking because they had because they wasted so much time trying to explain how this could possibly happen, <laughs> and you have to be like, "Ah, oh, the doctor's mobile emitters from the 29th century, but there was a transporter, whoopsie, and it had, yeah. got a bunch of sevens and nanobots in it." It's and, really and hard it,
1: to join it like midstream, like you do in the offspring when they just in the teaser they show these <laughs> and he's like, like hey, "Everybody, meet my daughter. Check it out. I made a baby. What do you want to know about it?" <laughs>
2: Yeah. um yeah <laughs> and like we have to learn Mulcahy, Mulcahy gets lines and <sighs> we-, we have to learn his name and see him get attacked and that's nothing yep. again like they waste so much time just that's explaining true. how this could happen that's
1: just to make it have a physical form the board <laughs> that's
2: right yeah um they couldn't be because the Seven- some of Seven's DNA got into there too because she's human anyway then they'd have to be like but it's not a clone of her the fuck it yeah. uh To her credit, I think that uh, Jerry Ryan lands the second you're hurting me line, even though I just said it's corny. Um this episode introduces this dumb and slightly dangerous nebula and a bunch of techno babble and TNG avoids all of it by just saying, you know, Data, the guy who's obsessed with his place in the universe. Well, he went wild and decided to make a baby.
1: And everyone's <laughs> mad at him about it, so don't worry. Yeah, everyone's mad <laughs> at him. Don't worry, he doesn't it. get away with it. You know how Janeway's like, fuck, let's see how cool a Borg we can make. Maybe we can make the best <laughs> Borg. Picard is not like that at all. Picard's doing a lot of sighing and putting putting his head in his hands and just going, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um but that said of course by voyager's low standards this one's not that bad like you i gave it a five yeah
1: <clears throat> all right well uh, world building then
2: yeah for me uh we're in standard three territory here uh tricyclic life support which i assume was supposed to be tricyclic mm-hmm. um Class 2 shuttles, spontaneous nebula developments, Borg tactical spheres, and also the incredible range of their proximity detectors. Sure.
1: Yeah, proximity um, is kind of a relative
2: term, it seems. It really is very relative. Uh, and, of course, you know, all the other stuff we know about the Borg. Oh, this is the first time the, the Borg sphere has appeared on TV? Because it was in... Uh, First Contact.
1: More reuse of the uh, First Contact business. Uh
2: Uh-huh. But the standard three for me in terms of world building.
1: I was one less. I gave it a two. Uh, Let's see. I've got the Class 2 shuttles. Quick and maneuverable, but not built for comfort. TP says at the Academy they'd stuff a bunch of cadets into them for weeks. Mm -hmm. must find some kind of, like survival training or something but
2: like another it's all fucking psych tests at the academy it's just psych yeah. tests and math gonna, that's I all felt, they do there
1: so originally i was gonna say what about their studies but they're probably just missing other psych tests so <laughs> it's probably fine the, the professors can just collaborate on that um schmalis needs to be turned off and repaired he's an insane o about his mobile emitter and he is very much a sex pervert
2: oh he is for sure uh he's a criminal
1: um, they accidentally made a new kind of Borg. Not exactly sure why the advanced tech in the mobile emitter would allow them, the Borg to do all this fancy math. Like, uh, they haven't even... I mean, like, he just
2: kept saying stuff like, use a multidimensional analysis, and you're like, uh... <laughs> like, I mean, how did was Bolontoris doing a one-dimensional? <laughs> like, what...
1: I was like, he hadn't even absorbed all the data nodes yet, but he goes in there and he goes, allow me to do it. And then he's, like, fucking fixing all their business. I don't know. I thought it was weird. Um, He's not that
2: great. Can he catch a ball?
1: (laughs) We don't see him. That's the one thing they didn't use. They don't don't make him eat a banana split,
2: either. Can he work behind the bar?
1: Though, Neelix, didn't he say Neelix was helping him
2: learn about food? Oh, fucking maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, said he did. That. He did talk about the uh, culinary delights of the Delta Quadrant.
1: Yeah. So they didn't show us him hitting a banana split with a spoon or whatever, like a Jono, <laughs> like a Jono would. But, um, yep.
2: but I assume it happened.
1: <laughs> you know, it's Starfleet and ice cream. It's, it's they're fucking give it to everybody.
2: It's uh, no other culture has it. It's the best shit. Uh, anyway, yeah, just a two for me. Um, uh, it's a big character episode. How did we do? All right.
1: We got Harry Kim, who prioritizes his own ego over being careful about the Borg. She's like, hey, my Borg detector went off. Harry Kim goes, nope. <laughs> she goes, no, I mean, like, it's going off right now. He goes, no, nah, I would have known.
2: No, like, I know you can't hear it, but uh, it's like there's a voice in my head screaming, Borg, 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 <laughs> Borg. Borg.
1: <laughs> no, nah, but, like- I, but I got the scanners going, and I don't... No, I, I understand. But like, do you see that? Up. Do
2: you see that I'm bleeding from my left eye?
1: Well, it's, it's, here's the thing. I'm in charge. I'm the captain right now, and they didn't make you the captain. So, all right,
2: listen. I know we had that whole thing where I ordered you to take off uh-huh. your uniform.
1: Oh, uh, I, I thought and, you were going to bring up the time you made me seven of eight or whatever that one time. Yeah, you're seven and, of eight.
2: Okay, look, I get it. We have we have a troubled past, but I can no longer uh, smell, and I can't <laughs> see out of my left eye now. So.
1: Is that because of the Borg?
2: Well, uh, I promise you this is the loudest sound I've ever heard in my head.
1: Well, i agree to disagree because my scanners are clean. No Borgs. Anyway.
2: Okay, well, I just peed my pants. So can we do something <laughs> even if you don't think it's real?
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, why? <clears throat> my most common question for Janeway's part. Why does Janeway want the Borg to mature? What good does she think is going to come of this? And then when they they find out it's going to be mega advanced, for sure it's going to be a bad time, and it's going to take over Voyager, or whatever. (laughs) And for some reason, Chaco doesn't come in and tell her about the Scorpion this time,
2: or whatever. Yeah, this week, Janeway's just like, I'll allow it. It's just... It's such a
1: wild idea. It's like Archer's fucking plan to infiltrate the Terra Prime people. I don't understand any of it. Um, yeah. Belana is as against this plan as I am, but it feels like it's rooted in prejudice for her. Yes. <laughs> she doesn't like the Borgs. Uh, Neelix ain't got a job, so he volunteers to help get this Borg up to speed, like get him logged in with all the passwords on the first day and <laughs> got some sweet merch for him and stuff doesn't seem like what he was up to you know? no, yeah
2: he invites him to all the slack channels right you gonna want to be in the spotify slack channel there's just one guy who posts in it but um <laughs> you know but, he likes sting
1: yeah that's how I, I was gonna i was gonna use it different i was gonna say that's how i learned to love peter gabriel <laughs> um so seven is against letting the drone exist but eventually comes to care for her sweet baby boy Um, She's worried about teaching him about the Borg because she knows how tempting they can be with that great voice that they got.
2: She has her particular Borg indoctrination where she's like the appeal of perfection. And Janeway does not say to her, nobody but you thinks the Borg are perfect. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm honestly, that's the thing I'm least worried about. I'm way more worried. He's going to have some weird safeguard that makes him go home like Data would.
1: You know, I actually when you and I, we don't get along. And one time I was looking up some stuff about other Borgs to see how I could like relate to you. Uh, <laughs> and there was a guy named Hugh. He, they had extensive dealings with him and he didn't ever say anything about perfection. Like yeah, not one some,
2: word. Honestly, I feel like this is kind of your issue. So why don't you? Keep that over there.
1: Keep it on that side of the room. And don't cross over to this side of the room. Um. Anyway, um, she gets to see her journey from the outside, you know, by observing the sky. And realize yeah. with more certainty than ever that she does not want to be Borg no more. And then she's wounded by the loss of... Sweet baby... I don't know, Eric with a K?
2: What do you suppose the name of that Nazi was? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. <laughs> Dude, the name of the actor is like John Beamer or yeah. something. Okay.
1: Well, anyway, uh, it was a four for me.
2: Uh, And once again, I'm one higher than you, but I do I do want to start by talking about Bolana, Okay. She's getting really sour these days. It seems like they've decided that her character trait is she hates everything. It's kind of like what they did with Worf when he joined DS9. Yeah. Or the other thing I was thinking about was that maybe it's some like season two Tom Parrish shenanigans. Because mm. uh, next week is going to be an episode all about her. So I'm just like, maybe they're just like, <clears throat> maybe she's just pissed off in this one. So we'll be like, ah, okay, I see. For the doing a thing.
1: 50th time, TPL say yeah. to wear next week. You know, you've been in a real bad attitude lately. <laughs> yesterday... Yeah, I
2: could, by the way, in this episode, it is not at all clear that they're still dating. <laughs> yesterday, you even refused to wear your your cool baldric. You're supposed <laughs> to wear. Uh, Harry Kim's finally getting a little career progression. Yeah. But there's only... There's only eight people on the ship. It's weird that this is the first time he's been standing night watch.
1: <laughs> well, he was a good boy about it. He's real enthusiastic.
2: Hold he's just really waiting for his opportunities. On, yeah. Oh okay. uh, hell yeah, bro! Grip it and rip it. Uh, Janeway doing the right thing, I guess, or maybe she just isn't afraid of the Borg. Like, doesn't it seem like she just thinks maybe they could, maybe Voyager could beat the Borg?
1: <laughs> I mean, she's hundred percent. She's not worried.
2: I don't know why she doesn't say, but um, and just like we, it, it takes seeing Chakotay work alongside the Maquis to see how much he's a Starfleet man. We get to see Seven's progression when you when you put it alongside this drone, and it ends up being a pretty good episode for her. Yeah, and that's why I gave it as much as a five.
1: Alright, well, about, um, what about quick hitters?
2: Uh, Yep, I said, uh, cool, 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 a transporter accident. Mm. Uh, and then I said, uh, fuck, man, is season five going to be a bunch of dumb implied nudity? I thought this was the one Star Trek that was better than this. Wait, that Voyager?
1: Was... Uh, I mean, I don't know if they've had any other implied nudity, but they've definitely had foot stuff.
2: I mean, yes, okay, yes. the doctor had to rub Kess's feet a bunch, Ugh. but, like, uh, Kess never had to undress on camera. No, probably not even during a logium. No, um, I mean, Janeway may have done a bathtub scene where all you could oh, see was her head and neck. That's probably true, that probably happened. Yeah. Uh, why can Schmollis activate comm panels in <laughs> B'Elanna's quarters? Why can't he just turn them on? How come the computer doesn't go, and then she has to answer it?
1: Yep. Also, how come it doesn't alert Tuvok that there's been a security breach? Because that feels like something that should go right to security. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, since fucking when, does Janway prefer not to give an order to do a cool murder?
1: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This week and this week only. She's like, no, we're not gonna.
2: Also thought it was real uncool One seven called Bolana a hybrid. <laughs>
1: it wasn't... I know she was trying to be clinical, but it sounded offensive for sure.
2: They didn't teach this guy how to say anything on the show. He for sure said, Bussard collectors.
1: (laughs) He definitely did. He sounded so arrogant. Everything about this guy was arrogant. Yeah. The way he He said He assumed he
2: knew how to pronounce all these words.
1: Made me feel inadequate in a way that I hated a lot.
2: And then about halfway through, I wrote, can't wait to find out how this guy's going to die. And then I stopped taking notes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it was a pretty safe bet they weren't gonna
2: have a new crew member. Yeah. <laughs> a second a second board crew member. Wasn't gonna be Seven's little buddy for the rest of the show. Yeah. I best actor to Seven, worst actor. I mean, it's one, but like this guy had to do a whole life in eight minutes worth of lines. It was always gonna be tough. Not everyone can pull off, thank you for my life. That was the real <laughs> surprise. Was That's true. lol. Yeah. exuberantly shouting soft was not awful. I was like, wow, this is
1: surprisingly working for me, what's happening yeah. here. Uh, Let's see Quick hitters Oh there's a lot here No there's not There's nothing (laughs) I have no quick hitters
2: That's the way it goes sometimes (laughs) Uh, Second place last week Was Deep Space Nine This week we watched Body Parts
1: O'Brien is nervous about Keiko going on a Gamma Quadrant survey uh-huh. while she's crazy pregnant. Let's call that B plot. Sure. Uh, Quark comes into his bar and seems super happy. He just wants to celebrate with Rom about how cool a vacation he just had to Feranganar. But I guess he's overcompensating because he suddenly shouts out that he also found out he's dying.
2: Yeah, he has Doric Syndrome.
1: He has Doric Syndrome. It's 100% terminal. Um, Credits. All right, so we're doing A plot, B plot on this one. Because they do not fucking matter to each other. They don't touch
2: each other in in any way. I mean, I guess there is one one moment in this where Bashir uh, definitely treats something with less seriousness than it deserves. (laughs) He just fucking blows into the bar and says, you're not gonna die, Quark. Maybe it's because he was busy dealing with the B-plot. It could be, it could be.
1: Uh, Anyway, so A-plot. Quark says he has Doric Syndrome, like you said. He's going to die, and that's that. Um, But I guess he's supposed to pay off all his debts before he dies. That's a big deal. So, Rom suggests...
2: That's how you get into heaven.
1: Yeah, the divine treasury or whatever. So, Rom suggests he sell off his desiccated remains on the futures market. So, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Quark says nobody would want to buy him He pulls a real Larry Appleton About how he's scum <laughs> He does <laughs> um, But for all the
2: Perfect strangers heads in the
1: audience <laughs> But Rom's not so sure Like a cousin Larry he thinks friends Will buy them for him probably uh, Later Rom comes To see Quark in, in his quarters And Quark is mad because he got one bid For his corpse and it's obviously from Rom <laughs>
2: Uh <laughs> oh, by the way, who thinks it's a pretty generous bid?
1: That's right. Well, that's his whole life savings, which for some reason Quark has memorized.
2: Um It doesn't seem like he would have 17 bars, by the way. No, Unless I don't know
1: what he's been doing. Did the
2: Bajorans overpay him because they don't know what Latinum is worth?
1: <laughs> yeah, he probably insisted on being paid in Latinum and they're like, Well, that's fine because we don't know what to do with it. So how much do you want? Um Quark Quark regrets every decision he ever made, and he's kind of spiralling now. Um, but just then, another anonymous bid comes in from somebody, and it's massive. We're talking 500 bars, a.k.a. 10,000 strips, or a million slips.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: Quark thinks it's the Grand Nagus bidding. Um, and he readily accepts the bid. Later, as you said, Bashir comes to see Quark in his bar and tells him he got a message from that doctor that Quark saw in Ferengunar. And the message says, whoops, no Doric Syndrome. (laughs) Quark is pretty happy because he could sue the doctor for malpractice uh, but I
2: guess he doesn't feel like that's going to address his problems by the way because that never comes up again no Uh,
1: but that night Brunt shows up to collect his merchandise it was Brunt who was doing the bidding and um, Brunt FCA um, immediately gives up the game he knows the (laughs) diagnosis was a fake this was a fucking trick to get Quark into contract so that he could have him die because he wants to kill okay. Quark.
2: You for sure read that. I also read that. That is not explicitly said.
1: But, like, how else would he know it was not a real diagnosis?
2: Oh, for sure. Okay.
1: So it's contractual Unless, murder. He,
2: unless the FCA could just read, like, all outgoing messages and he got that message from the doctor. But I it mean, does. Maybe. It does seem like uh, that should invalidate the contract, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know Ferengi Law.
1: Yeah, well, he claims that he's doing this because Quark is a philanthropist, and it offends him, and he, he talks about all the things that Quark has done that make him seem like a human or whatever.
2: He talks about uh, his previous two appearances in the series. Exactly. That's right. it. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think we're supposed to remember that Quark's already bested him a couple of times, and so probably, <laughs> it's probably just revenge. Um. Anyway, the stakes are this. Quark dies. Or he and his family are ruined forever because you're not allowed to break a contract or whatever. Uh, later, Quark comes to Garrick and tries to hire Garrick to kill Brunt. Oh wait, what he really wants is for Garrick to kill him. I yeah. w- I was even faked out by that. Uh, Quark simply won't compromise his sense of business business ethics, so he'd rather beef it. Garrick shows Quark some different ways he could kill him in the Hollow Suite.
2: <laughs> Which I, I assume is the only thing Garrick was ever going to do. Yes, exactly right. Like, I assume that Garrick never intended to kill Quark, and that if Quark had been like, okay, stab me, he just would have not done it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's in my characterization for Garrick. Uh, the real thrill for him is getting to scare, getting to scare Quark over and over again. Yeah. Um, anyway, he shows him some different ways to die, and Quark is not into any of them.
2: No, he's a big sissy about the whole thing. Yeah, he
1: wants Garrick to surprise him
2: hella good so he doesn't see it coming.
1: And he didn't
2: like the way... Well, he can't He can't be disintegrated because he has to sell body parts. But, yeah. like, the knife, he didn't like any of them. The knife was too savage and poison wouldn't he work. He didn't want the last thing he heard to be his neck breaking.
1: Poison wouldn't work because he, he wouldn't eat any food if he knew it was poison or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Garrick's cool with that arrangement. Um... Quark goes to sleep that night and he fucking wakes up at the Divine Treasury. I mean Hey, hey, did they show me a dream? Are we seeing a dream? I mean, he talks to some old Negus, or I think he said his name was Gint or something. Yeah, the first Negus. Who, who um it's obviously a dream. It's a long dream sequence. Gint tells him to break his contract, but Gint is Rom, by the way. Yes, and in the in the episode he says And Quark
2: you, knows it. You look
1: like Rom and he says it's a dream, idiot. Um, anyway, Quark's eventually convinced to break the contract. He goes to Brunt, sitting at Quark's bar, and he does indeed break the contract. Brunt shouts to the entire bar that no Ferengi is to do business with Quark, or at Quark's. And then Quark closes the bar, and I guess Brunt is going to take all of his assets. Later, the whole crew comes by. (laughs) To gift him supplies and furniture and stuff, so he can reopen his bar. It's a real Rachel's Place moment. You prefer <laughs> that to Perfect <laughs> Strangers? Maybe a Family Matters <laughs> business. Sure, it's a real Rachel's Place moment that you'd see at the end of, I don't know, any sitcom or Christmas movie or anything. Tis the
2: season. Um, yeah, it's exactly. It's a it's a Wonderful Life or whatever. Sure.
1: All right, B plot then. Um, the runabout with Keiko and Kira and Bashir comes back through the wormhole, and it's hella damaged. Shocking, I know. Any the, if something went wrong in the Gamma Quadrant. Anyway, it turns out it was just asteroids this time. They just hit a rock. I don't know why they flew into that asteroid. Who
2: either. was flying?
1: Kira was flying, and then
2: Kira's <laughs> normally a pretty okay pilot, but it's
1: never explained I why mean, they. She may
2: not have formal training.
1: Did they? Now ex- that you
2: think about it, she flew those like uh, fighters in the Resistance, but um. Oh yeah, no. She she probably doesn't really know about space, huh?
1: I I don't think she's rated on runabouts, and I don't think anyone ever checked.
2: They just let her take him out because Cisco doesn't care about the runabouts at all.
1: No, he'll give one up for any old fucking mission, revenge missions, whatever. He don't care. Um. Anyway, oh by the way, did they ever explain why they flew into an asteroid field?
2: Uh, presumably that's why they took, uh, Keiko, a plant biologist with them, was to do a survey of asteroids.
1: Oh, of asteroids? Okay, I don't even remember. Um, anyway, Keiko and Kira are sent to the infirmary. O'Brien comes down to see Keiko, but she's still in surgery. And Kira tells him, the baby is safe. But, uh uh-oh, it's in Kira now. Yeah.
2: Not sure how that works from a
1: medical standpoint. Seems oh, like no, they talk able... about
2: it for a minute. He had to give Kira a bunch of estrogen and progesterone and then also he put the baby on a regimen of Xylotab or whatever the fuck <laughs> and now, now everything's good.
1: No, 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 but... I get that. I'm saying the part where he puts it in her, like...
2: Oh yeah, uh, he beamed it in, I'm sure.
1: Her body hasn't been slowly building up to this.
2: Well, okay, but there's a bicycle <laughs> pump on board so he okay. pumped up the uterus like a balloon. <laughs> good, 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 okay. And then beamed the baby in.
1: Yeah, he just stuffs it in there and goes, I think we're good. Uh, anyway, Bashir says Keiko will be fine, but Kira's gonna have to carry the baby to term because Kira would die for dumb Star Trek plot reasons if the- Too vascular. Yeah, she's too vascular like myself, I understand. That's why you can't take the baby out of me either, because (laughs) I'm too vascular. Um, anyway, the point is Kira is uh, O'Brien's baby mama now. Um, later Keiko- talks to O'Brien about having Kira over for dinner, and she's all sad that she has to make appointments to see her baby. Even though it's not like she was really hanging out with it in the first place. Is that? Yeah, this uh, is by the true. Way, is way They that, weren't even really friends yet. But is that is that my stupid male point of view? <laughs> <laughs> Would people not like to hear me say that? <laughs> that you aren't hanging out with the baby if you've got a baby in you? <laughs> let me know.
2: I don't know. Find a pregnant lady and ask
1: her, I guess. Please tweet Brother Date and let me know. <laughs> um. Uh, they're fawning over Kira at dinner and uh, they even suggest well they have a suggestion for her. they reveal it later they suggest that she move in with them and I guess live with them so that they can see her baby bump whenever they want yeah uh, anyway that's life with the O'Briens man um they actually reveal the movie oh, I already said that but at a later scene when Kira just moves in, and that's the end of that plot, so yeah, all right, so what was this one about?
2: Well, Ben says the take is oh
1: yeah, we got it i guess it's
2: I guess it's something like the Ten Commandments are more like guidelines, follow your religious dogma until it tells you to do something you think is stupid or don't like, and he gave it a one point take, <laughs> uh. I think this is an episode that says you are more than the sum of your custom and traditions. Oh, okay. The Quark's Quirks thing is not, at no point is it really about he's going to be ruined, or even that his mom is going to be ruined and in trouble on Ferenginar. That doesn't seem to matter to him at all.
1: No, they never. It, after Brunt threatens it, no one talks about that again.
2: No, his whole shit this week is his self-identity as a Ferengi businessman. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, But I guess a dream helps him realize that his traditions aren't all there is to his life. And uh, people spend a lot of time worrying about customs. Sure. And another episode this week even shows some positive impact maybe that they can have in your life. Or at least makes a better argument for customs and tradition. We'll talk about that episode next. Mm Mm-hmm. So, even though they've set up kind of a wild straw man here, I still think the message is worth putting across, and I gave it a six. Traditions are traditions, but they're not all you are. Yeah. Don't don't get caught up in, I'm a Republican, or I'm a Texan, or I'm a cowboy, Ooh. or I'm a Ferengi businessman. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, It seems like
1: you and Ben were hovering around the same place, but thought, had opposite opinions about it. Um, Yeah. I had. You're not destitute if
2: you have friends. Sure. That's the end of the episode for sure. The Uh, last scene.
1: Well, I mean, so earlier in the episode, Rom is trying to convince him of this. That he'll be okay because he's got friends or whatever. Uh, It's schmaltzy, obviously. Um, But, you know. It's fine. I guess it's kind of true in a certain way. I wouldn't know. I don't have any. Um, It's a five for me. Execution? This was filler.
2: Do you not still keep up with Chinese George?
1: Um, We had a Zoom call with George three months ago, four months ago, something like that. Um, now, do you guys just call him George now?
2: I know. it's. it's now I feel like it. That's gonna make me seem like a racist it's and 20- not like that is your nickname for it's it. 2020,
1: man. Yeah. It's time to learn time to learn
2: your lesson. And like I said last time we I mean, we this. we all keep up with Kyle on Twitter. We all know about his child's exploits. So. Yes. <laughs> uh
1: like I said recently, it's time to have some respect for yourself. Um anyway, this was filler that also served to move quark further from the nasty ferengi culture that hopefully the writers realize was holding him back as somebody you might root for right and it also explains away Nana visitors baby bump right
2: that's <laughs> yes. the reason that this happened. That is the purely mechanical reason for the B plot. <laughs> So, at least they were trying to accomplish something
1: behind (coughs) the scenes because nothing of real interest happens on screen
2: this week. Well, and listen, I am sure that they also realized that they could probably do three or four more stories that involve that. Like, there's a bunch more B plots once you make Kira's, once you make Nana Visitor's pregnancy a part of the actual show. But there's some B plots I don't want to see
1: that I know are coming. Oh, I have forgotten them so don't well, spoil it. Hey, have a good time. It's going to be a real journey. Okay. Anyway, it was a snooze uh capped off with a real mushy sitcom ending. So,
2: I gave it a 4. Um boy, uh uh Ben is a 4, right? He says the front end is way overblown. They make uh, Shimmerman do some capital A acting. Mhm. Um he says the whole premise is flawed in universe, but uh but whatever um for me, uh, I was even one less than you on okay. execution. I have it all the way down at a three okay the like I said, the b plot fully mechanical it's weird to me that they took it all the way to Kira moves in in this episode,
1: yeah. I mean, again, they didn't even talk about it on screen. They're like, "We have an no. idea," and then it comes. Well, they fucking away. teased it for you. Yeah, and then they come keep back. Keep you
2: interested in this dumb B plot. And
1: she's just moved into their guest room or whatever.
2: Um, The idea that Garrick might actually contract to kill Quark is garish. Yes. And if it's supposed to be a big joke, Garrick is playing on Quark. We never see that. That's true. Um. The ending where everybody brings by half a case of whatever to restart the bar is corny. Mm -hmm. But also, is it necessary? Do we need that scene? And also, have any other businesses closed on the promenade? Does Cisco and everybody step in then too?
1: (laughs) No, just the sex criminal terrorist. He's the only one they bail
2: out. Everyone on the show knows that Quark uh, gets his name in the opening credits. Yeah, It's the only explanation for it. Like we haven't seen that Klingon restaurateur in a while. Did his shop go out of business? Did everybody show up? Were they like, "Hey, I found some worms. Do you want these worms?"
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, I, uh, I was just digging
2: around in the arboretum I'm like all these fucking worms. I just, I, mean, I just thought I'd drop them off. I don't need them. Uh, the real problem for this, with this episode for me, uh, is that Quark gets his resolve to break with Frankie tradition and start a new way of life,
0: mm.
2: not from his brother. No. Not from any character who has life experience with starting over, like Kira, or being an outcast from their society, like Garrick or Worf or Odo, mm-hmm. but from a dream. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, this is becoming the major problem on Deep Space Nine now, where they have all these characters. This is a show with the most characters. <laughs> got so many. These characters all have long, detailed backstories. Yeah. And so there is always somebody who could give advice, who someone could turn to for advice or perspective, and they are never a part of anyone's decision making.
1: It's especially aggravating because you mentioned Odo, he literally leaves it at the end by bringing some chairs in.
2: Yeah, Odo fucking like, shows up, where do you want these chairs? <laughs> and it's like, Quark could have gone to talk to his, his, his well-established best, best friend <laughs> in the universe Odo, yeah. about can, what's it like to be a Ferengi but not be part of Ferengi society? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what 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 is that going to look like for me? odo oh, no.
1: yep or you're right during the hollow suite when Garrett kept killing him they could have had yep. a chat about perfect
2: her. opportunity for garrick to talk about what it's like to not be able to go back to cardassia and to be an outcast there right they, now they would have been, to been be stranded here on this station
1: they would have been cheesy they would have had him using reverse psychology or whatever all about sure how, or having him feign disappointment that he wasn't going to get to kill quark if he far be it from me to uh, take this contract away but or whatever
2: yeah, but but instead it's a he has just a dream that he has. Uh-huh. He just has a dream about it. And not only that, dude, it's a dream with a grand negus.
1: We ain't never heard about.
2: Yeah, Gant, the first one. That's world building. He
1: doesn't even dream about anything that we would recognize or care about.
2: No. Well. Gant, I mean, Gant... Git is Rom and he is the one who's telling him this stuff. None of this stuff matters. And it's like, okay, there is a parallel there because Rom is entirely checked out of Ferengi society already. Yeah. But it's like, it's not good. Yeah, And it's, it's just like, I'm sick of these fucking wasted opportunities (laughs) with all of these characters. It comes up all the goddamn time on this show now.
1: Yeah. I wonder if that's because they're writing like seven of these at once or if they just don't care.
2: It's it must be because it's just like different writers break all the stories, and most of them don't know anything about any of the other characters. Yeah, like they read the little dossier on Quark to write this one. Whoever <laughs> broke this story, and but then like they didn't, they don't know anything about Garrick. Right. Yeah. Um. So it's a three for me in terms of execution, and also I'm putting you on notice, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's right. I know that. You- you far and away, you are the uh, the only contender, only possible contender for best series here with the next generation. But, but like, got a lot get it together! To do. You're leaving points on the table.
1: That's right. You're telling them this because you want them to succeed. I do. Yeah.
2: Uh, world building. Uh, Ben really brings up the. Um, you can bulk buy a person's remains, Ferengi's claimed jurisdiction on all Ferengi, no matter where they are. Yeah, he just walks in and tells all the Ferengi that they can't do business here yeah. anymore or whatever even though this is DS9. But I guess uh, he's a, that's yeah, how they do it. Yeah. They he's do a it. two. Okay. Um, I'm a three. Even more stuff about the Ferengi Commerce Authority and the fucking Divine Treasury and it's all in a dream, but I think that they want us to believe that Gint was the first Grand Nagus, uh, although I don't think we should take it at face value when Gint tells Quark that he and a bunch of dudes he knew just made up the rules of acquisition. (laughs) That is all part of the dream. That's not necessarily real. Correct. Uh, Ferengi's future markets where you can sell your own remains is kind of a last-ditch effort to get to heaven. Um, Medical intervention to allow Bajorans to carry human babies, and that's really about it. But um, I guess the Ferengi stuff is enough that it's a three. I know we're not done with Ferengis. So it's going to keep coming up.
1: I guess they're not as similar as Vulcans
2: and humans. Like, as Flocks, no, like. I don't know. Seems, seems fine. less. Well, they got those ridges. Vulcans mm-hmm. only have ears. That's
1: right. Uh, I was also a three. Uh, the insurance industry is alive and well on foranginar. He gets that diagnosis when he's having his insurance physical. Yeah. Um, Doric syndrome, which is 100% fatal. Uh, rule of acquisition 17, a contract is a contract is a contract, but only among Ferengi.
2: Um. Does that mean that the rules of acquisition post-date interstellar contact, or does it mean that there was an amendment to rule 17 when they discovered some non-Ferengi?
1: Good question. Um, Bashir whips up a substitute to allow the baby to live in Kira. Uh Uh-huh. We finally learn how many slips and strips go into a bar. Now, yeah. the question is, will they be consistent? <laughs> anyway, it's 20 strips to a bar, 100 slips to a strip. Um, the stakes for breaking a contract on Frankenar are pretty grim. Um, we see Quark, and again, I assume Moogie, Rom, and Nog, and maybe Gala? Lose everything. Oh yeah,
2: can. does his cousin? Does he lose that moon?
1: I don't know because I don't know how far it goes. He says your family,
2: but I don't. I don't yeah, know. he doesn't say. But if it's to nine degrees or whatever, right? So I don't know.
1: Maybe it's maybe Gale is fine.
2: Is it to the nine degrees of consanguinity? Is what I want to know.
1: <laughs> well, fucking write the geek nerd who wrote this episode and see if they even remember that they did this. Um, Akira. Sorry, not Kira. Keiko must have been pretty hurt in that runabout thing. Because there's very little those little bleeping and blooping devices can't heal. But she has a decent recovery period in this one. Uh, For sure,
2: it's a couple days till she can walk. Yeah, and in Star Trek, that's a fucking lot. You can get, like, she must have had brain damage. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can have
1: pretty grisly injuries. And, and just like not the fucking easy
2: arterial damage that Chekhov gets in the voyage home.
1: <laughs> yeah, when they put that thing on his head and 30 seconds later he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> My God, man! Drilling holes in his head isn't the answer! Um. Yeah, just a three for me.
2: Characterization. I mean, three is normal for world building. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah. I, I I almost gave it more just for finally explaining how many strips and slips and go into a bar or whatever. But
2: it is, I mean, it's the, part of it is the episodic format, and that's what I wanted to say, but the show with the best world building average is Deep Space Nine.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, there you go. You'd think it would be Enterprise with all of the arcs, but, and especially from all the season one, here's how a toilet works and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. When they had to answer all the kids' <laughs> letters or whatever. Um... I guess it's because they keep trading on TNG stuff and they keep like making huge changes to the galaxy. They keep like, here's a big Klingon arc and here's a big Cardassian arc and here's a big Dominion arc and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Um, And the worst is Voyager. And that uh, Voyager is the most committed to serialization to the point where, like... Yeah. Well, they don't even want to make a sci-fi show. They want to make a horror show. Mm -hmm. About five of them a year are just straight horror episodes, so...
1: Yep. Um, Ben gave characterization to 3. Um, he says Quark's a traditionalist, even though he's been forced to adapt on DS9. Um, Garrick denies being an assassin, but then totally goes for it. And, um, you thought there was some missed comedy there with. Uh, Garrick. I mean, he
2: makes a a real good point that he does think Garrick would hire someone to kill Quark if it was really if he was really going to do it. Which I think our read on this is that Garrick is winding Quark up, mm-hmm. and the the last thing uh, Garrick wants Quark to do before he dies is just get real aggravated with Garrick, probably.
1: Like the. Um... <sighs> You're right that it seems like it was written with something in mind that then doesn't happen. They just is, got
2: cut. Like they just wasted too many minutes on something else. Let's say. The big reveal that he they, was teaching him a O'Brien lesson. O'Brien being cagey about what he's going to invite Kira to do.
1: <laughs> yes, right. That whole part got cut out. Um, I was a little bit higher. So let's see what I got. Uh, Dax puts O'Brien in his place in the first scene. That's kind of nice. Um, when he's making a big fuss about Keiko being pregnant. Uh, Rom cares about his brother because he, too, has forgotten all of the times he tried to kill or ruin him.
2: Although... Uh, well, You know how this is, and I can't believe this is the first time I've thought to say this out loud, and I'm also sorry if I have said this out loud before. (laughs) I'm Quirk and you're Rom. And... Uh, You care about family and like talking to our mom every day and stuff uh. in a way that I can't seem to drag myself to do. So, <laughs>
1: wait a minute. Did you get, did you, have you gotten shit for that or something?
2: Uh, I mean, everybody knows it's true, but <laughs> okay. no.
1: Okay, all right, good.
2: Now, nah, mom doesn't want to burn any bridges.
1: Um. We don't usually
2: do therapy on this show.
1: No, we're not supposed to,
2: I think. I think that's <laughs> at least not, not when it's not a mailbag.
1: Um, but anyway, he, if he used to try to kill Quark in every other episode, but now he cares about him a lot, um, he, um, he seems pretty supportive of having Brunt knocked off, so yeah. maybe he hasn't come that oh, far?
2: Ron doesn't care about murder. No, he's still okay. He only okay. cares about family.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's still okay with murder. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he told Quark the whole time that his friends would come through for him, and he was right, um... Kira was kind enough to take this baby on. I wonder if it's because she blames herself for losing a battle with some asteroids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, maybe it is her fault. Maybe she fucking totally spaced.
1: Yeah, Maybe she just totally blanked out. She was thinking about something else and just sideswiped a rock.
2: Was it weirdly, she was thinking about an argument she had with Shakar a week ago about having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's really- Like, that's not really relevant now. No. but
1: No, she wanted to say it was coincidental, but it doesn't even rise to that. It's nothing. It's not even that. <laughs> um, anyway, she fucking moves in with these fucking people. So long privacy, I guess. She does
2: not know how to say no to this. And Ooh. Didn't she see how no, they were like... No is such an obvious answer.
1: Didn't she see how they were freaking out around her? Ugh. I mean, like, you go from just living by yourself and having a, a fucking weekend stay from your boyfriend every once in a while... To just living with this family full time and they constantly want to touch your stomach, I bet. Oh, well,
2: you have to fucking smell their food, oh, which is again pregnant. Not, they aren't eating Hasperat in there or whatever. <laughs>
1: no, maybe they'll try to make some, but it'll be all
2: humanized. It is the Yeah, but we got ground on, beef in it. it. We named an episode of of it. The something in Endless Flatulence. What did we name that episode? <laughs> oh
1: shit, I don't remember. <laughs>
2: I can't find it by scrolling up through Landry because the names of our episodes are not in there.
1: No, not on Landry. Let me go to Transistor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah find it on Transistor.
1: That's usually where I look for episodes.
2: Uh, but you know they're gonna put some ground
1: beef in there or like some cheese sauce. Yeah, it ain't gonna be the real. Whatever is really in a it ain't gonna uh, flavorless wonder and endless flagulence.
2: Yes. <laughs> You know Keiko's given up on that fight, too. She never gets to eat Japanese food no more.
1: That was episode 193. Oh, 191. Okay. <clears throat> Keiko is given a surface level of sadness about losing her baby to Kira. Yeah. Uh, they they go ahead and demonstrate it, but it uh, it don't matter.
2: Um, there's uh, Well, so there's a couple of scenes. Uh, the scene where she talks about having to make an appointment Uh, I think was okay. The scene where Kira comes to visit her during her recovery, I think is trash. And we can talk about that later. (laughs) Okay.
1: Quark is very slow in this one. He doesn't seem to understand Brunt's whole game. No. (laughs) Until they've gone around like four or five times on it.
2: It is fucking inconceivable to him, even though you know he would. Well, because in Quark's mind, he probably would play this game with someone just to get a little more money out of him.
1: Yes, he was not going to go through with the murdering part. He just wants to raise the price or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, he,
2: he would act like he was wanted to go through with the contract just to get an extra five bars, but
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, now, maybe he's just overwhelmed. Uh, they do show him being awakened in the night by Brunt, so maybe he's like half awake. But it takes him a very long time to understand what Brunt is there to do.
2: Um, this guy by the way this is so little it's not even in my quick hitters but when Quark is awakened by a doorbell in the night he finds his slippers in the dark and stumbles out to the living room before he asks the computer to turn on the lights <laughs> and it's like if I had voice activated lights I definitely would do things in a different order
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway after all the stuff we described earlier Quark eventually decides he'd rather live than be a good Ferengi um, time will tell if that's genuine character development or just a thing that happened. Uh, Brunt resents Quark for all, again, I think, for all of his past victories. The Moogie thing, the strike, probably how close he is with Zek would be my guess.
2: I would imagine that burns his ass, yeah. Um.
1: But he claims it's because...
2: That, that he thought Zek bought his remains and it's like, it's kind of crazy. You can kind of see why.
1: <laughs> I told you last week, I hate it when <laughs> someone does something super arrogant and they have something to back it up.
2: And you're exactly. Just like, Fuck, I hate him. <laughs> and you'd be like, ah, uh, he he has he, he actually spends a lot more time with Zach than I do. That it kind of wouldn't make more sense. Huh? <laughs> it makes me so angry. He's, I've been in two episodes and Zach's been in like five now that I think about it.
1: <laughs> anyway, he claims it's because Quark is a philanthropist and a bad Frankie. Whatever.
2: I um, mean, I, shit, it might even have been my hairdo. It might not even have been Zach. I bet he's got 500 bars. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we
1: got a small Garrick sighting in this one. He has some new lies about previously being a gardener. Um, seems to be into the idea of killing Quark, but I think he knows he'll only end up scaring him a bit, and that's the real thrill. Everybody comes through for Quark in the end, including Little League Odo. I keep it a six.
2: Uh, I'm not too far from it. Uh, The main struggle this week is Quark against his own perception of what it means to be a Ferengi, and that's also part of his whole arc in the series, Mm -hmm. um, with the unionization and his mother and everything. So, definitely, this show's going to earn some points, because this is a natural place on his arc, and it's an advancement. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure the scene where Kira tells Keiko it's her baby is earned (laughs) or meaningful. (laughs) No. It seems like they're moving through this plot real fast. Once they decided to go through with it, they're like, all right, we just
1: need to get this done so that you can walk around with a baby bump. That's it.
2: Uh, Rom continues to be a good egg. Brunt is still a piece of shit. Bashir is wildly uninterested in Quark's misdiagnosis, but <laughs> um, maybe he's still cranking away on the quickening. Maybe he's still trying to find a virus to <laughs> cure for that virus or... Maybe he's, you know, caught up. I wonder
1: if they stopped off there when they went to the Gamma Quadrant to do that survey.
2: Hold on, let me check the exact order. Was this... Where? Okay. All right. Now, this is already after the point where Bashir had to face O'Brien and explain why he made the weird choice he made. Uh so, yeah. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't like thinking about ah, I gotta go explain to this piece of shit why his baby has to stay in Kira.
1: Um you know, Bashir's really good with um alien diseases and stuff, but maybe he just had never read up on Doric, so he didn't know how serious it was. Yeah. Maybe well, he thought it was like, like he just
2: absolutely didn't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe he thought it was like arthritis or something, and he's like, Yeah, it turns out you don't you don't have it. You got something else, gotta go.
2: Um, but having said that, I think this one was directed by Avery Brooks. He's barely in it. Yeah, he little exit. Um, it's a five for me. Okay. Quick ones. Uh, Ben asks if they changed the model for the station because it looked more bronzy. Mm. I didn't notice that. I don't know. Uh, I have some quick ones. Uh, Rom convinces Quirk to sell his remains on the Ferengi Future Exchange. Uh, that's a three-button press operation on that random terminal in the bar.
1: It did appear that that's all they needed to get started, for sure.
2: And then the fucking one screen is showing, like, uh, Quark's fucking baseball <laughs> card up in the corner, like, that was up along, going alongside the listing.
1: Maybe Rom had already done the legwork on that. Maybe it was just ready to go.
2: <laughs> uh, I know this is all spur of the moment, this uh baby swap but cure couldn't knock up a less terrifying way to explain what was happening to o'brien she like really sits on the baby's gonna be okay and then she tells him it just had a change of address mm-hmm. and he's like what the fuck does that mean and then she uh pulls the blanket down to reveal she's got a little baby bump and it's like okay well
1: yeah that was a hey, real Kira? that was a real you what gotta you see this you better come yeah. see this just right there live and in person Come Uh, see Kira perform her greatest hits. Hey, you better come see this. And the baby's okay. It just had a change of address. (laughs) Fucking
2: bitch. They have O'Brien say the line, "Major Kira is going to have my baby," (laughs) and I one hundred percent assumed that that line was put in there so that they could cut a trailer for this episode.
1: (laughs) Yes, hundred percent.
2: That's one hundred percent a trailer line. And after
1: seven days.
2: Major Kira's gonna have my baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> UPN's fucking Super Tuesdays. I don't know what the fuck they. <laughs> garbage.
2: Um, Cisco is really playing peacemaker here while Bashir explains. Like he's like, I needed to put the baby in someone, and Cisco's like, ha, 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 ha. Well, "We think you made the right choice, Doctor." Does he think O'Brien was gonna haul off and hit him? Why <laughs> is he standing in the middle of these two and trying to smooth it over? Oh,
1: well, that's all right. That's all right, isn't it? Isn't it, Chief? That's okay, huh? <laughs>
2: Yeah, he definitely He's like, this thought- piece of shit got in a fight with Worf about unionization. <laughs> he definitely could take a take a swing at Bashir about this.
1: He definitely thought that O'Brien two from Four Hours in the Future was about to fucking blast half the station or something. <laughs> you know he doesn't trust this O'Brien. It's not his.
2: <laughs> it's not real O'Brien, and this guy is real fast and loose with it setting sixteen on a phaser. <laughs> he
0: turned it up to sixteen.
2: Listen, man, he didn't want to take any chances. Even if he missed his whole head with that (laughs) shot, it was going to blow out the wall and suck him into space.
1: I get that. You don't want to botch the job and end up, you know, (laughs) with some kind of disability. But 16 feels like a lot.
2: Yeah, that's what happened to the guy who played the camp commandant on Malcolm in the middle.
1: Oh, he tried to kill himself and whoopsied?
2: He had a real grim end. (sighs) He'd lost a a foot to diabetes, and they were going to take him in to take another foot, and he whoopsied a... Gun suicide and ended up blind too.
1: Hey, dude. Uh, this is supposed to be a fun romp <laughs> through the
2: universe of Star Trek. Anyway, that's why you use uh, setting sixteen on the phaser. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. I get it. I do understand it. It's just a lot.
2: Hey, man. The uh, soft light and low cut on Keiko in this kerosene made me think there was going to be a lesbian romance angle here <laughs> at the least appropriate time and i 100 percent didn't trust the writers to not do it
1: dude you are not wrong i thought to myself oh man i uh, this just seems like you could make this movie it's like based it's like it takes place in the near future and this, they have an accident, and this lady's having this other lady's baby, but then also it's they les out. some kind
2: of single white female. Yeah,
1: also they les out, and then it becomes a real thriller, and yes, she turns yeah. out to be crazy, and that's that.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's how they shot that scene.
1: I was in full agreement.
2: And, like, the whole lines are, like, Kira comes in, and Keiko's like, you're doing an amazing thing, but she looks sad. And then Kira takes Keiko's hand, puts on her belly, and says, this is your child. That's and I was like... Oh, Brian better watch his back. Man, what? The guys who wrote this, uh, this was a moment where they thought that they had really gotten into the character of Keiko's head and they're like, she thinks Kira, Kira's gonna... The, the kid's gonna be... Kira's kid. You Kira's know women are baby crazy. You know how you know how it is with women.
1: I remember when my bitch of an ex-wife was pregnant and she was afraid every woman who walked in the room was gonna take her baby.
2: And the fucking Vaseline lens and the how melodramatic that scene is, I thought, was uh, not successful. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and also the lesbian romance thing, like you said. <laughs> the the single white female of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um. Then I thought maybe we were going to have a reverse Christmas Carol, where Brunt was here to teach Quark to be Scrooge.
1: Oh, that would have been something. It wouldn't have scored uh. much, but...
2: Uh, maybe Kira could come by every evening," says Miles O'Brien, who's been barking up this tree for a long time.
1: That's right. Yeah, this ain't a new, ain't a new thing. He used to say Dax, but Kira uh, Keiko <laughs>
2: Keiko caught on. <laughs> she did. He downgraded to Kira. Um. Uh, not pictured when Quark asks Garrick to kill him. Garrick is immediately workaholic style torqued. <laughs> That's
1: right. If they'd cut, if they'd just shot a little lower.
2: Just know. all of a sudden cut to the wide shot. And he's fully torqued. Uh, yeah. And then there was a moment here where there was a real strong parallel. This is one of these things where every week we discover that two episodes are st- like strangely related.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, sometimes I, more than two. We I, I was listening to an old episode not that long ago and there were four time travel episodes in the same week. <laughs> and we were very annoyed.
2: <laughs> that must have been the worst week It wasn't good. to watch. May not have been the worst scoring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the parallel this week was Quark uh, going through with his own death to not break with Ferengi tradition. So I was like, well, that's very similar to another episode this very week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kira has never seen Misery or any art, really, because of the camps. But she still gets a pretty bad vibe at the O'Briens.
1: I mean... If she caught that bad vibe, why is she moving in? I'm just, I I caught it. I saw what was happening. Oh, boy, you got to run away from
2: these people. Do you take a look at the room they put together for her? I mean, I don't really want to look at it. Why? They are giving her a 30-inch wide bed, 45 inches off the floor. (laughs) She's going to lose that baby rolling off of it in the middle of the night.
1: Well, they were, I guess they wanted to make it entirely clear that she wasn't going to be seeing Shakar.
2: It is like a hospital bed without the sides. She's not
1: getting fucking plowed with my
2: baby yeah. in her. Is oh, what exactly. Said. They're not giving her a bed big enough for Shakar to have what they, I'm sure, consider deviant pregnant sex with her. That's right.
1: Oh, Brian's mom told him. All the things he needed to know. I assume his dad was dead, right? Doesn't that make sense? His no, mom told him all the things he needed sense. to know about sex, and it was all based on the Catholic Church or whatever.
2: <laughs> I think he said his parents are alive, but I do uh, love the idea that his dad is dead. I just assumed. Uh, everyone has gifts for quark. Also, replicators exist. What are quarks costs? I, is... What does it mean that Bashir is bringing him a case, half a case of brandy? Yes. Like I guess. It might take a while to replicate all the chairs and tables that they're moving in Mm -hmm. from somewhere, but, like, you know, from somewhere on this empty station. Yeah, dude. But, like, uh... It
1: never makes any sense. They always have, like, (laughs) aged liquor and, like, canar and all this stuff, and you're always like, why can't they just replicate this? I don't know. But, like,
2: when she she brings him six ugly glasses, (laughs) it's like, A, first of all, what's he gonna do with six glasses? And B... When you order a drink from the replicator, it comes in a glass.
1: Yeah, I don't really...
2: Glasses are the one thing he does not need.
1: It really doesn't matter. He just probably just puts it right back in the replicator. He doesn't clean them. Yeah. Probably just says, delete one glass.
2: I gave Best Actor to Quark. I gave Worst Actor to Molly, but that's unfair. So maybe, where do you want the chairs, Odo? Yeah.
1: Um... My only quick hitter was just asking what was up with that asteroid field, that's all. I just didn't, <laughs> I never understood
2: why they were in an asteroid field over there, but. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know.
1: Like, I thought maybe they, they wanted, Nav 2 was in an asteroid field for some reason, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, they couldn't
2: have been like, the thing got shot by the Hadar, and now we had to switch the baby. It was sure what
1: I thought was <laughs> going to happen, because they were fucking around in the Gamma Quadrant again.
2: No, you know, but it is dangerous over there, there's asteroids. hmm just
1: fly right into them. That's it.
2: <sighs> well, one to go. Yeah. Uh last week's winner was TNG. This week we watched Half a Life. <laughs> Deanna Troy kicks us off with a personal log because her mother is on board. Great. And did you say wait?
1: I said great. Oh, great. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, Picard feels the same way because we see him nervously peeking out of a turbo lift, but it's no good. She ambushes him right away.
1: It's true. This episode starts off with a light touch and then becomes (laughs) very melodramatic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Enterprise is uh, making first contact with the reclusive people of Kalon 2 in the person of their lead scientist, Dr. Timison. Just a huge bitch.
1: Just a fucking... What did I write here? I called him a beef a nerd with cheese. This yeah. dude is beefy.
2: <laughs> well, Loxana likes him 6'3 and stocky, I guess, because yeah. she invites this guy out to dinner right
1: away. As soon as she fucking lays eyes on this fucking log, she is into it.
2: <laughs> anyway, the Kalon son is dying, and the Federation is working with Timison to test helium fusion enhancement, a technique that may give his people a chance. And Luoxana is like bringing a picnic lunch to engineering and knocking all the pads off the table.
1: Just think exactly uh, what she did in Menage a Troy, but in engineering.
2: Yeah, that's right. It is basically Menage a Troy, Luoxana at the start of this one. Yes. Uh she works out that he's a widower. She uh you know, she does all the flirtatious moves. She asks him why his people don't just leave their fucking dumb planet. Mm-hmm. Uh it's going pretty good, but he's, like, clearly holding back. Yeah. She goes and has a conversation with Troy, tells tells Deanna she should uh, slut it up a lot more if she wants to be happy. Just
1: what she's been telling her the whole time.
2: Yeah, and then the Federation, having, as far as I can tell, discussed it with nobody, blows up a fucking star. <laughs> Thank you, I'm so glad you had a problem with that, too. Um, <laughs>
1: I have a lot to say about it.
2: Yeah, this is, as you might expect, not what Timison wanted to happen, but he's a super good sport about it, calling in tears to thank Picard for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lwaxana finds him drinking alone in Ten Forward, and uh, here's where he tells her what the episode is about. He's going home to die. Yeah. Uh, not just because of their planet. He's personally going to die. Picard and Riker discover the same thing, sort of, when they offer to stay a while at Kalon 2, and the science minister is real cagey about getting Timon back, like, just as soon as possible, please.
1: Yeah, uh, bring him back ASAP, please, thank you.
2: Don't, don't like waste a, don't, don't like waste a day on it, Dude. it's not, just get him right away.
1: What's going on, Is this guy got Doric Syndrome or something?
2: <laughs> no, yeah, well, Loxana comes in and tells them that the deal is this. When they turn 60, the people of Kaelan 2 kill themselves, and she finds it utterly lousy. Yeah. She wants Picard to interfere. He tells her how great the prime directive is at protecting him personally <laughs> from awkward situations. Uh-huh. It protects him like a magic a- cloak, for sure. <laughs> Basically, she goes and throws a fit in the transporter room when Smiley won't beam her down so she can make a scene. Uh-huh. Um, eventually, she goes to talk to Timison again. And um, he blasts her, I have to imagine, powerfully.
1: Oh, hell yeah, dude. They even give us the implied sex with their fucking clothes all changed and everything.
2: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. In the morning, he starts telling her about how the resolution is a great thing and people get to die with dignity while they still have their faculty about them. Mm. They have a big argument about the responsibilities of elder care, the value that the elderly still have, the arbitrariness of the age limit, the benefit of growing up with elders in your life, the value of tradition. Bro, it felt like a real argument. It was a, a real argument between two adult characters. They covered um,
1: everything, and they didn't get shouty.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um, eventually, she tries to convince him that no one is better qualified to continue his research than he is, and she asks... Why is it not just your planet's time to die, too? Why is this different? Yeah, And something gets to him. In engineering, Timison and Data think that they've found the next logical step in the star research. And Timison formally goes to Picard to ask for asylum so he can continue his work. Yeah, He and Picard call up the science minister, who is pretty shocked. Uh, especially when Timison is like, maybe the whole thing is wrong. Yeah. Instead of just, hey, I'm trying to save the planet here.
1: Yeah, after watching the episode, you go back and you go, maybe Timson had some procedural things that he did wrong. Yeah, I
2: think he played this one wrong for sure. Yeah. Two warships approach from the surface, and again, the science minister threatens to fire on Enterprise <laughs> if it tries to leave orbit with he you, know,
1: you didn't know the science minister runs the military
2: there, too. They for sure were not going to introduce another character no. 40 minutes into the episode or whatever. <laughs> uh timison tries to send his new research down but the planet has disconnected all communication channels with enterprise Damn, he can't accept the consequences for his planet he can't really accept his loss of a being identity place in the world and on top of it his daughter dara comes aboard to talk him out of it
1: oh let me ask you a question does she throw 100 mile per hour fucking heat the whole time
2: uh well, she is a practiced manipulator for sure because she has him in tears in one minute exactly. she
1: is daddy's girl, and
2: she knows just when to get up and walk out, uh-huh. but it's also a good scene yep um Luxana is even a little convinced and goes to talk to Troy. Was it foolish to try to talk this guy out of his like core belief? yeah um, Timison comes to see her. he's going back to his resolution and um then. You know, while he's in the transporter room saying goodbye to Picard. Walks on and rushes in and uh, she wants to beam down and join him with his friends and family. Yeah. End of episode. Yeah. Matthew,
1: what's this one about? Ben says, cultural norms are more persuasive than scientific analysis. He gives it a three. I guess what he's saying is this guy, even though the facts make it seem like maybe this isn't a good idea anymore, has all this cultural pressure to go back and do it. And Ben doesn't like that. Um, So first, I went into this thinking, all right, well, this is going to be an episode about how old people aren't worthless and shouldn't just be shut away to die. Then I thought, the more interesting take from this is a decision in good conscience can have unforeseen negative consequences. Yeah. Which was more interesting for me. I think that's what the episode is really about. Like, is it always courageous and right and good to move forward doing what you what you believe in despite resistance or is holding on to your beliefs selfish in certain circumstances like I'll get into it more but maybe it's cooked but that's what I came away thinking was like what this episode was really about and I found that an interesting question so I gave it a 7
2: um <clears throat> so this one covers a lot of big issues Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it doesn't make a lot of proclamations about them. No. Uh, So maybe in the 90s, maybe there's something going on here about people should be allowed to choose to die, Mm. but that can't be the whole solution to the elder care problem. Uh, I can't give this the full points they would get if they'd taken a stance, but they spend a lot of time talking very seriously about aging and dignity and generational politics and tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm giving it as much as five, even without like a super clear, like Picard doesn't come in and say the take of the episode.
1: (laughs) No, and in this one, it wouldn't be Picard because he does not want to do this. No, 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 no. Picard is is, very Picard in this one in that he does not He had to hear about
2: his nine prime directive violations (laughs) last week.
1: And even though he got out of that with some real good quotes from his good buddy, Aaron.
2: But like like that, you know, that's all in the public record now. And someone else is going to go, wait, does he, has he really done it nine times?
1: He's going to be like, you know, he gets out of there and he's like, man, if that lady wasn't insane, I'd be fucked. (laughs) Like, good thing I knew how to set her off because I was about to get it up there.
2: Um, Ben's a four on execution. He says that Picard's uh, spinelessness around Mrs. Troy leads to her pushing around the entire crew, and it seems like a big breach of protocol.
0: Not
1: wrong.
2: He says this veiny Peter Yusinov-looking dude seems like a good guy, <laughs> but not enough to save his whole planet. No, I mean, he, he's, pretty, he's a good guy. I don't know if that's
1: going to save the planet, though.
2: Yeah, he really liked the daughter ignoring Loxana in the meeting. He says Ustinov is a good act. Look, let's get to it. This is uh, David Ogden Steers from M.A.S.H.,
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he was the
2: second antagonist doctor on Mash. He played a real Boston upper crust idiot.
1: Okay. Well, in this one, he fucking crushed it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he crushed so,
1: it like uh guest actors sometimes. I mean, have... He's
2: dead. Like he's dead now. But like, learn his name because he knocked this one out of the fucking park.
1: <laughs> like guest actors sometimes are better than the main cast. Like we see it every once in a while. But he like. He kind of smoked everybody on set. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's not... this is for
2: sure that Tim is an episode. It's not
1: my section, so...
2: Um, as with the current episode, this one seems like it's going to be one thing and then suddenly becomes a totally different episode. Mm-hmm. Like it's like you said, it starts out as a real lighthearted romp where Loxana's going to irritate everyone, but ultimately help Timison work through his failure with the helium enhancement. And then it fucking pivots and becomes something much more serious. Yep. And it ends up being a slow and serious and ultimately small episode, mm-hmm. um, even though there's one whole planet is like going to die.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been working on it for generations, though. They, yeah. They think th- that, by the way, they don't think they got it, but they also were not going to, like, step outside their comfort zone to make it work. No.
2: <laughs> well, the, then the, again, tradition is one of the things that is played around with here, and the, their adherence to tradition could end up killing this planet if younger scientists can't advance Timson's work the way he could have, mm-hmm. right? If it turns out he was the one visionary who could have fixed it. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, people sometimes hold on to tradition and ignore their own self-interest. Yes. Um, You know I like the slow ones and the small ones Mm -hmm. on TNG. And um, this is even weirder than that. This is a guest star episode. There's like a few words from Troy and Picard. Yeah. This is mostly Timison and Loxana Troy, a character we always hate to see. But um, when she gets serious, and we've seen this in Deep Space Nine, too. It's a lot better.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, regular Luxana is um a cartoon, so.
2: Yeah. Um, And uh listen, Timbison and his daughter can both cry when they need to. Mm-hmm. Like, they have that acting ability. And uh, do you want to see Riker try that if he's shoehorned into this story?
1: God. I don't know. Have we ever seen Riker try to cry? I don't think we have. I don't I think we cannot... you... I can't think of an instance. I mean, if he was trying, I never noticed. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> um, so even though it's a guest episode and it's not huge stakes, uh, it's a seven for me, execution-wise.
1: Yeah. Uh, just to go back to my take, I sort of look at this like the argument I was making about is it always the right thing to do to move forward with your beliefs, even if you like think you're doing the right thing the negative consequences it might have. I always think of that as like the old Liu Bei versus Cao Cao quandary. All right, let's have it. All right, so Liu Bei was only ever going to... You got to- shut
2: down pretty hard about Romance of Three Kingdoms and Book Club yesterday, so let's get it out well, of your you know, We're still going
1: to have a vote, so you know, <laughs> let the votes get counted here. Um, Liu Bei was only ever going to act in the name of virtue, right? Yes. That was his whole deal. How much more suffering was there in China as a result of his unwillingness to do the things that the visionary he employed told him to do? Mm. Because it wouldn't have been virtuous or whatever. Sounds mm, out. a good question. A man of questionable morality who acted to pacify the state, probably because he knew that by doing that he would benefit. But. He actually is the one who does a much better job of unifying the people, rebuilding farms, letting people fucking eat for the first (laughs) time in 30 years or whatever. Even though he is a real piece of crap who's super selfish. So it's like, Timison makes a decision in the end. And like you said, I don't think the writers do. But Timison (laughs) decides in the end that he's going to cause so many fucking problems by standing up for what he thinks is right. And like, it's not the time. Like, maybe someone else someday will be able to do this, but it's not for me.
2: Right. Problems for the people. Problems for his daughter. Like, I think uh, his daughter saying, where are you going to be buried? Yeah. You won't
1: be buried next to mom. I won't be buried next to you.
2: Right. I think that gets to him. Yeah.
1: Man, I say this, I think every time we do one of these, thank God TNG did this episode and not one of the other shows.
2: Can you imagine Voyager fucking trying to do this one and it's like...
1: Fucking. Wow, there's no there's
2: no Luox like I don't even know how I don't even know how this would fit what no. framework yeah, this would be Janeway you... would just be like good let him die <laughs>
1: you would have to change it from being too old because there's no one old enough on Voyager to like get into a romance with an oldie but but yeah imagine like Harry Kim trying to convince his love interest of the week to stay alive or whatever
2: do you remember when Janeway wanted to uh, keep that uh, Undyne guy around and 709 fucking or Tuvok I forget beamed him over to the Hirogen <sighs> Or whatever. Yeah, that was like, seven. look, like, eat, like, eat shit. We had to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Can you imagine, like, Jamie would be like, yeah, I'm gonna grant you asylum, and then fucking Jacote just beams him down, or whatever.
1: <laughs> yep. Anyway, we're treated to a long, quiet scene where Lwaxana and Timison argue the whole thing out. One long scene, no cuts, where they just talk out the issue about does this make sense are you only doing this because it's tradition but what about the value of those traditions etc etc um no background music right during that whole scene yep no fucking phaser fights taking up 10 minutes of this episode (laughs) just like passionate dialogue like a weirdly sci-fi one-act play And that scene makes the whole episode. And we've talked a couple of times about when his daughter shows up. That's the second best scene in this episode. Michelle Forbes comes in, and despite her crazy hairdo...
2: (laughs) That's right, her very distracting physical appearance. Like,
1: make no mistakes, she walks in with a Star Trek hairdo. Yes. But she just lights that scene up, and we get this fucking quiet ending that only TNG can deliver. They did not change this guy's mind. They did not start a revolution. They didn't start a war. They returned him to his people, and everyone's going to have to deal with what that means. Yeah. Like, in their own way. is going to have to deal with it. You know? Like, they didn't do a Kirk and change society, and they didn't do a Voyager and make an enemy.
2: There's a thing where, at the end, Timbasson tells Picard when it's time to do another experiment, I will encourage my people to contact the Federation again. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and then they both pause and it's like what Timison is not saying is, well, actually I'll be dead in three days, but I'll leave a note to that yeah. effect or whatever. And I hope now that I think about it, they just launched warships up here and so maybe they dumb. won't want to deal with you again yeah. at all. Yep. They've and already, maybe my people will die because of that.
1: They, they talk many times about what a xenophobic people they are. And, um, it's, I think it's pretty clear that the relationship's already soured. Yeah. They ain't sending up those warships, and then, like, well, in ten years from now, they're gonna be like, remember those cool dudes, the Federation?
2: Especially because they, these dudes keep turning over at 60. Science mm-hmm. Minister Batardet is probably gonna be running the whole fucking show in five years. Yeah. And, uh, he ain't, he ain't gonna be a big fan of the Federation.
1: Um, yeah, I gave it an eight, because I just think, like, Star Trek is bad. That's very clear. (laughs) But TNG is also very clearly like the thinking man Star Trek. It's where you can have like a calm measured scene where the dialogue is the star and the actors are the stars and you don't get a lot of extra
2: shit. Right up to the right up until the movies. Right up until the movies. Sure.
1: Nonsense and action schlock. Um, Anyway. Yeah. So eight for me Um, moving into world building. Ben gave it a four. He says, um, shields must be pretty badass, because even on these little torpedoes, they can penetrate a red giant star's core. Yeah, well, later on, when they they find the ability to have shields that allow you to, like, sit near, very near a sun, they act like it's a real big deal, so...
2: I mean, honestly, it's the, not the hardest part of the star. The surface. Right.
1: Um, anyway, the stuff about the sun dying, um... He says that it seems like they're very much in a society where scarcity exists. I, I don't know.
2: Um, uh, well, maybe they did. They at least were at the time of the resolution, right? Yeah, but like, now it seems like maybe it's it cultural. wasn't food scarcity, but they definitely did not have a solution. It was to the point where they couldn't take care of old people anymore. Right.
1: Um, I was a little bit less. So there's Kalon 2, you know, aliens of the week and their whole scene. Yeah generations of scientists have been trying to fix their dying son that's better than i remembered by the way
2: you thought it was all timison
1: well yeah i thought it was like an unrealistically short time frame like one they noticed their son was dead but it didn't kill everyone on their planet or whatever um during the engineering meeting the warp core was strobing like crazy
2: and i couldn't look at it is that what it (laughs) looks like when they're warping yeah it did the faster they go the faster it strobes i hate that yeah it (laughs) sucks it it would really suck to work in there hey
1: yo hopefully they've cured migraines in the future because otherwise i
2: can't work in engineering this is why picard routinely orders warp 2 because it's like (laughs) at warp 2 it's like thumb 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 but at warp 5 it's like thumb 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 and Jordy gets a terrible migraine yeah
1: it's not great in there um can't read these aliens minds They gotta kill kill themselves at age 60 so they don't become a burden to society and their families. All the stuff about the resolution. Um, Nobody on Enterprise had ever heard of the resolution. No. And as always, I have to say, why are they working with these people that they don't know fundamental shit about? (laughs) Like, they would have to come up at
2: some time. It is this one big gotcha.
1: (laughs) Yeah, even Data's like, I don't know, we just didn't know that much. They're secretive. They're, they're so secret if you don't know big stuff about them. Like, why are you working with them anyway? Um, okay. So they just found a random star.
2: No, oh, it's a pretty good match for the star that um, that they, they right that <laughs> matches scale on two orbits the
1: characteristics of the star they're trying to fix, and they decided to shoot the fuck out of it with some torps. And if it blows up, I guess that's just fine, huh? <laughs>
2: even if it doesn't blow up it's gonna become a whole different kind of star
1: yeah no wonder people hate the federation it is it's fucking bad it's buck wild who knows what impact the destruction of that star would have on this part of space like that's such an insane it's like if you just went well i'm just gonna see if we can like blow up antarctica like what if we do it <laughs> what if we did it like what would have? It... That's pretty. it's not a big deal. We're not trying to blow it up. We're like, what if we blow it up? That'd be okay, right? I just think you can't just go around blowing up stars. Come on, guys. Oh, oh. Ob- but it's like,
2: oh man. I mean, okay. We're we'll we're, we have more to say. This is just world building. Yeah.
1: Um. O'Brien locks that transporter down when he leaves. <laughs> yes. Locks Anna in the room with it. <laughs> I like that they finally did that. Because you know there have been scenes where people beam down and you were like, oh, they don't keep that thing locked, huh? Like, yeah, You can just go in there and hit the little pad and you're good to go. Um, oh yeah, and you can do whatever they want with it at any time. But not in this one. Loxana won't be allowed to. Anyway, nearly everything of note this week is about the Alien of the Week, and
2: that's why I can't give it like a ton of points. There's no way it-
1: after you leave this episode do you think we're ever going to see these
2: fuckers again. Yeah, it is, it is the toughest part, uh, points-wise. So I only gave it a two. Um, Boy, I'm one less. Okay. Uh, helium fusion enhancement is an idea, but the Federation clearly feels like any uninhabited star system is fair game for yep. wild experimentation. Yep. And that sucks to me. Yeah, some so. Klingon
1: ambassador is going to be like, hey, we were eyeing that system. We, we were going to lay a claim to that system, and now it's fucking dead. You killed it?
2: Well, it's fucking, not only that, but now, all right, they didn't want to blow up this star. That was a whoopsie. They just wanted to rejuvenate it so that it would, you know, be useful for a planet at the right distance or whatever. They were trying to get it to reach a certain temperature. Right. But they did blow up a star.
1: Which might have some, um, you have to hide that information.
2: If you're the fucking Klingons or Romulans or whatever, you're like hey, these guys have a weapon that can blow up a star now.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a real Genesis situation. You did it Maybe for cool science. Maybe we
2: should start working on our own Yes. star-killing weapon. <laughs> hey, y'all heard about the Toxu Tot? Well, <laughs> Federation had reinvented it accidentally. It's and uh,
1: They did talk about how its mythical power was that it could even stop fusion within a star or whatever. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah. then Jordy's the, the like, oh, I can do that in like three days. Yeah. You want to do so- that? I can do it
2: just wild consequences should come from this and we're just never going to hear about them again.
1: God, that's, yeah, that's a real problem.
2: They made a star-killing weapon and they've got one now and they've got to deal with it and it's never going to come that's up. That's what I'm saying.
1: they got to keep this shit super secret. No one can Depends know of... about the star-killing.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be double plus secret, but, like, J- but hey, people are going to know when the light from that star starts reaching other people, they're going to be like, oh, uh-oh. How that star went hey, up. Yeah, Star Nova, and um, we're pretty good at astronomy, and it shouldn't have.
1: Yeah. Wonder what happened Yeah, that there. one
2: shouldn't have gone Nova yet.
1: And also, next week's Jadan is going to come in and just fucking spy on Starfleet, because the Enterprise has no security. I don't know if you noticed.
2: <laughs> it's real bad. Um, Ben's a four for characterization. Okay. He says it's sort of a weird character trait slash maybe flaw that Picard can't deal with strong women in social situations. It's one of the many things about him that is odd.
1: Yeah, kids, um, women, he's not good with any of that stuff. He says
2: it's consistent, but he doesn't. He maybe doesn't love it. Yeah. Um. For me, <sighs> characterization wise, if Luoxana wasn't around, who would have interfered in this guy's death and set up the central conflict for him?
1: Feels like a Beverly move,
2: but it could man. only have been Crusher. That is correct.
1: Yeah, maybe they would have had to age him down, or maybe they wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Is this a better episode of Crusher falls for Timmyson? I know she's younger than Luxana, but this dude is like Picard's age, yeah, so whatever.
1: I mean, maybe. I guess we probably think. Do we think Gates McFadden is a better serious actor than Major Barrett?
2: I mean, well, I mean, I think b- before we'd seen this scene,
1: yeah, I guess if that's we were true.
2: watching this in real time and we, all we'd seen Loxana do was. Uh,
1: Mr. Wolf.
2: Haven and Menashe Troy it up? We probably might. Yeah, I, I think we'd rather see Bev do it. But then it's so...
1: Yeah, then it's one of those times where you're like, and then she fucked that dude, but I don't know. We never talked about that guy ever again. Like, that was it. <laughs> he went off and killed himself and she never brought it up even one more time.
2: Yeah, anyway, Picard is super conciliatory. Lets us Timison know he'll fight these two Kivas Fajo ships if he has to. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, when they came up, he didn't go. It's us <laughs> Vajo. One, one more time. The guys in the transporter room, and Picard's like, I, I, I really would have a hard time if I thought you were just doing this because you didn't want me to have to deal with these two ships.
1: It's nice of him.
2: Yeah. Um. Which is also very diplomatic. But again, he does hide behind the Prime Directive like a coward.
1: Yeah. And again, he, he um, again he's hoping the guy will say, "Don't worry about it. I have to go do this." Like, yeah <laughs> he's, he offers that last part again he's like hey he
2: really he really needs timison to meet him halfway
1: for my conscience i want you to say it's not because of me but i also don't want you to go back on your decision
2: yeah yeah uh troy lets her mom talk it out but it's kind of a two-man show with two guest stars um so you know it's just a four for characterization for me It just weren't opportunities really
1: yeah uh, we were all aligned i gave it a four um Luoxana sucks as always just inserts herself into everything in this episode and everybody is already hella stressed about shit like this is a stressful mission and she just fucking shows up and starts getting in everyone's fucking way um then she's immediately way into this big stew of beef for some reason (laughs) as soon as he fucking shows up she's like fuck I wanna get in that outfit what is he wearing I want in
2: it Oh, she, you know what? Just like in the holodeck in the fucking Big Goodbye or whatever, she can't read his mind. As she, that makes her fucking horny. She's into it
1: unless it's Damon whatever his name was. Yeah. Um. Then she fucking shouts at O'Brien and everybody else like a real space Karen. I know that's reserved for somebody else, that nickname. But when I saw her <laughs> on the transporter pad not getting her way for the first time ever... I Space Karen was the only thing that popped into my head. Um, yeah.
2: Well, she's aristocracy, and she even gets treated uh, pretty well on the Federation, uh, on the Enterprise, because she's technically an ambassador. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, she, gets uh, to,
1: she gets to go and meet this guy in the first place, because like, she has ambassadorial status or whatever. Right. Uh, anyway, I guess she's in the beginning, she's supposed to be feeling old and vulnerable herself, which is why this hits her so hard. Maybe it's because she's already in love with the dude. I don't know. Um O'Brien's job, as we've discussed, sucks. <laughs> his job sucks. So this bad. was not
2: his favorite ten minutes for sure. God. Having to wait till Troy came down there while getting yelled at.
1: God. He's like, I work with these people and I gotta deal with their moms, and they're gonna be embarrassed about it, and I'm gonna be embarrassed about it. Like, this lady visits all the time. She might remember that I wouldn't do the thing for her. <laughs> She's always here. Crusher peeked her head in the other day. I had to make, like, triple sure she wasn't going to give me a brain scan later. So I <laughs> asked her, like, six times if she was looking for anybody. Um, I really liked when Troy said, no, it applies to him. Yes. <laughs> when fucking Space Karen says that his rules don't apply to her. Right. Um, Beverly Little leaked it on the bridge.
2: Yeah, she had literally one line, which was to shepherd him away. There is no reason for her
1: to be up there. Like, they don't say anything. (laughs) She's just there.
2: She had another line that got cut. (laughs) There's another scene she had a line in that got cut, but yeah, it was for sure weird that she was suddenly in the episode. They walk
1: out and she's just out there on the bridge. I was like, huh? What's she doing up there? Uh, Picard spends the episode politely doing what he's told by yes. anyone who comes into his orbit. Just whoever comes in and tells him to do something, he politely does it.
2: He's in full diplomacy mode this week. Yeah,
1: so four for me. Um, quick hitters. Um, so Ben says he totally forgot that this is Major Barrett Roddenberry and how all over the show she is. I don't know what he means by that. Did he forget that she was in this episode? I wonder. Or that that's who played Troy's mom. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, for me, Counselor Troy's log to open the episode
2: is such a bad omen. I was <laughs> Oh, no, it's not great. I was so worried.
1: I was like, oh. like, here's the
2: thing, I, I rewatched this episode about Jesus almost five years ago now, and I so I knew it was better than um Yeah. Than you would believe from Just hearing the description.
1: Yeah, I remembered it being okay, and then that happened, and I went, oh, did I, have I
2: misremembered?
1: Is this this episode Am I going to be wrong about it? Yeah. Because
2: she gives a real, even worse, Chief Engineer Logan's on his way to the bridge (laughs) log report. Yes.
1: Uh, In the past, I've told you that Marjan has noticed what the little Netflix warnings up in the corner are for, and how they never relate to what actually happens in the episode. (laughs) Sure. Okay, so this week, it warned me in the beginning of... That it contained sex and fear, <laughs> and I thought to myself, "Wait a minute! I know that they those two old people do sex, but like, is this a we don't is this, see is this, it. Is
2: this is this a warning for the episode Subarosa that got slapped on this one accidentally.
1: <laughs> like, we don't see them do sex, so I don't know why we need to be warned about it. And then also, fear is a warning they put on things." <laughs> It feels like he wouldn't be able to do a lot of plots if you had to worry about not putting fear in an
2: episode. I don't even know what the fear warning would be for for this one.
1: Don't, maybe if you're old, this would trigger you in some way. I guess,
2: fear that you're going to get shipped off to die?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But as always, I went, well, that's not right. Whatever this warning is for, it's not right.
2: He didn't even talk about how robots used to steal old people's medicine (laughs) or anything, so.
1: No, I listen to rap music. Um, uh, Let's see. Best actor candidate, this uh, beef and nerd with cheese, Timison. He killed it out there. Um, <laughs> Riker, Riker shouts at Picard, We need to get out of here! Bro, <laughs> if you're so worried about it, just give the order yourself. Exactly. You outrank the helmsman. Yeah. He's expecting Picard's orders. Picard's not going to
2: be like, You know, it was really my place to say, Don't let that exploding star kill us.
1: <laughs> just... He just looks right at him and shouts in his face.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, that's the fear.
1: Oh, that's right, yeah. Record was I...
2: afraid of that star.
1: I get it now, that's uh, well-placed. Um, I just if Sometimes he looks at Picard and says things, and I think, why do they even need him? Like, what is he <laughs> there for? Like,
2: How come he's always on the bridge when Picard is? Why isn't he just, like, working the second shift?
1: <laughs> it was not that long ago, he just looked over at Picard and went, nothing after they <laughs> after they shot a, after they shot that probe that did vertically all good and, yeah. and they shot it for a long time and then the phaser beam stopped and everyone knew nothing had happened and they were all just looking down like ah oh, what do we do and he finally goes nothing
2: uh, he really matthew he it's some
1: kind of probe he says earlier.
2: Right he starts this series Like one of those uh, original battle droids from the Phantom Menace that's saying Roger, Roger and being sarcastic about sending him off to the camps or whatever. Sure. And by this point, he's become the B2 battle droid (laughs) saying what that, that nothing. I just, I just.
1: When he looks at the obvious probe. Some kind of probe on the view screen. (laughs) Looks like some kind of Probe what the hell's happening anyway
2: listen he had a lot of success very early on on his tenure with the enterprise by saying those apples weren't there
1: <laughs> do you guys remember when I picked off those apples that weren't there saved you know, he us just all. says
2: obvious things in case other people didn't notice
1: saved us from Q I saved uh, those aliens from the grappler he was gonna grapple them <laughs> anyway uh, and then again Michelle Forbes comes in here just throwing 100 miles per hour just yeah. gets in there with her dumb hair and just fucking cries on command and gives an emotional performance and walks out and you just go, huh. And I think working with that uh, beef lord, Mr. Beef, like probably made her think Star Trek was good. And that's why she, uh, this is why she
2: took the role. We know this is how she got the role of Rolaire and mm-hmm. why they wrote it for her. But this is why she took the role because she thought... Uh... David Ogden Steers was gonna be around every week <laughs> being her dad. Or
1: like that was the quality of people and she was, she was like, huh, gonna be working with.
2: I thought my name was Dara, but I guess <laughs> They changed it? I guess it's Rolaren. Okay, that's cool. As long as he as long as I get have all these great scenes with my dad about tradition and what?
1: I'm a different character. Oh.
2: I just what, think this other tall guy's yelling at me about wearing an earring.
1: <laughs> it must have been that she was gonna work with quality actors or something. Because we know she turns down role a uh, uh, continuing role in the star trek universe <laughs> and yes. she must have finally figured out that it is not like that every week
2: at all how much goddamn money would she have made if she had if rolaren had been the executive officer on deep space nine
1: and honestly it's not even about money as much as it is about like if you're a regular on star trek your life is set yeah. you just do the circuit
2: forever yeah, she'd done three episodes as Ro Laren, and they were like, what if we take your character and make it the second in command on board Deep Space Nine? And she was like, pass! Done with this! I don't know if you guys saw, <laughs> I'm a good actor. I'm gonna be a star! And then, pass. Un-
1: unfortunately, that did not happen.
2: I mean, she's in a lot of stuff. Yes. She's had a long and active career. She but yes, pops right.
1: up in things, but she never became... I think she thought she was gonna really make it.
2: Hey, maybe. Maybe it was a misread, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, that's it for my quick hitters. What about you?
2: Uh okay, number one. Seems like they should have fired up dress uniforms for this first contact.
1: Yeah. They didn't. It's
2: Picard O'Brien, Jordy. Just all in their regular shits down there. Yep. Uh, dude is sneaky tall, like Endar. It's true. Endar was a tall dude. Yeah. So think about that all the time. It is great hair. Uh somebody get Trevian. This dude has quickened.
1: <laughs> it's true. I noticed that too. He does have the quickening.
2: The blight, uh, Worf, Worf is so good in polite situations. I love, and and it is Worf, madam, not Wolf.
1: Yeah, he was a little bit calmer on Enterprise than he is on DS Nine. He probably would have on, given her a palm strike on DS Nine.
2: On TNG or on the Enterprise? Sorry, I haven't seen him yet on Enterprise.
1: <laughs> on, on well, you know, I now I always call the ships just Enterprise or
2: yeah, whatever.
1: dog no, I, I don't know.
2: I guess if Luxana Troy is around, you may as well just say your rude bullshit in front of her like Jordy does, because she can read your mind anyway. But like when she says Mister Hom barely speaks, and Jordy's just like, "How can he?"
1: <laughs> it's true. She <laughs> and, for sure read that before he said it.
2: And it's like, yeah, you might as well just put it on blast. She knows what you're thinking.
1: Honestly, the more honest you are, the less she's going to be able to tell everyone that you're having horny thoughts about her. <laughs> That's right. But she loves to do. <laughs> seems like it should be That's a true.
2: Crime. We could- because if she had just turned around and said, you just want to get in it, he could have said, I said exactly what I meant. <laughs> that's
1: right. You all know I say this shit about her all the time. Uh, Matthew,
2: is that Cameron I see in the turbo lift?
1: It was, oh, it was Cameron. I said to marjon hey, that's Cameron.
2: That's right. <laughs> Ensign Kellogg is in this one.
1: Now I recognize her.
2: You know that this star is, like, revered as the home of a god on some nearby world, and mm-hmm. this shit is going to fuck up a whole religion.
1: Seriously, it's going to blink out someday, and they're going to have a giant holy war over it
2: or something. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking, it's going to be a crazy omen. There's going to be a whole regime change because of it.
1: Well, they don't care, though. They they just, were doing a science out there. No big deal.
2: Uh, Science Minister batardit is a, <laughs> that's a tough name. It
1: wasn't good.
2: Who am I playing? Batardit. That, uh, mm. So that's
1: an anagram, isn't it?
2: And uh, <laughs> speaking of him, why is he so cagey about the resolution? These guys are isolationists, and this thing is totally ingrained in their culture, right? So why, why normal, would he be yeah. on the phone like, we need Timison back, don't ask why. It's not important. <laughs> Like, why is he trying to keep it a secret? Because we're supposed to hear about it from Locks on a Troy instead of him? Send him
1: back ASAP. Like, no, just send him back. Can you beam him from there? You can beam it back if you can. That's fine with us. No, you can't. You got to get closer. Well, you better come back then. And we need him. <laughs> why? I got to go.
2: <laughs> I'm it just doesn't make any sense. out. like a core belief of his. I don't understand why he'd be so cagey about it. But it out. 10-4. Yeah. <laughs> Uh O'Brien in the transporter room trying to make eye contact with Troy to see whether he's supposed to set the transporter to locked or disappear
1: <laughs> which transporter code is he gonna get
2: yeah which which what are we doing uh during the good scene uh Troy asks for oscoids, mm. and the thing just gives her like a half a dozen or eight oscoids laid out on a plate all fancy style and I was just like can you imagine a computer not being like how many fucking oscoids do you want
1: yeah what temperature are these in oscoids? what container
2: what dressing yeah You just walk up to it and angrily say oscoids.
1: I have to blame it on whoever input it into the fucking library. You know, (laughs) someone just said, I got to give a recipe for oscoids and they just gave it this one option and that's it. There's no variability at all. But if you ask for water, it's been asked for in so many different ways that computers like, Uh, how many fucking... um, how many fucking regulons or whatever do you want?
2: I forgot. Right, and then eventually you got to be like wh- anything on the cold side of whatever your scale is, because it doesn't know.
1: You have to really spit it out, though. Yeah, you you spit it out it with it bitterness, it. bitterness. That it has, that it needs to be on
2: the cold side. Five Kuvats or whatever he says. <laughs> uh, it's weird. It's actually weird to me that I can't remember the. I exact know. I thing tried to, to remember. Order. I couldn't. I really thought it would be in my brain.
1: Yeah. Uh, your trails? No, how- no, that's not
2: right. Last last quick hitter, how's Lwaxana try planning to get back from this isolationist planet? I thought the same thing. Is Picard going to have to turn around in three days and come get her?
1: She is an ambassador.
2: He's just going to get a call, like, Dude. okay, he's dead, I'm done here, I'd come fucking, get me.
1: I'd fucking call up an Excelsior and be like, bitch, get to work. <laughs>
2: like You can just call up the hood. Yeah, I ain't doing this. Send DeSoto out there to deal with it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> DeSoto can deal with this shit. I'd love this to is, think, like,
2: kind of his specialty.
1: I'd love to think that she has adventures like that on every <laughs> ship in the fleet. That DeSoto hates her, too. That she's been yeah, on that probably. ship and fucked everything.
2: Uh, best actor, it's obviously Timison. Yeah, it's he crushed it. Maybe best actor in this series. I mean, everybody knows I love Aladar Rock, like, but... Uh, uh,
1: a nice, quiet, beefy nerd who got emotional when he needed to and was strong when he needed to be, and it was just, like, this is like a really good performance. Should I watch M.A.S.H.?
2: Yeah. I think I, I feel like I've said this before but also it's like this is like a the good version he reminds me of the good version of what our dad maybe could have been <laughs> <laughs> like an alternate
1: universe oh and riker of course is the
2: the normal version that's right riker's the regular version <laughs> uh <coughs> <Okay. laughs> first actor batard it like how how did he think he was not going to make them suspicious talking like that hey should i watch mash uh, it's not like a laugh riot. Okay. Um, it's okay. MASH is okay. Okay. I mean, this guy's in it, but he's playing a uh a, a different character for sure.
1: I just, you know, if that's the quality of actor they can get. You know, yeah. they're Alan Alda and what have you.
2: Yeah, he's it he was in thirty or forty of them, I think. Yeah. Oh, the numbers are in. Oh, thank you, Landru All oh, the numbers are in, Matt.
1: Thank you, Landru Make sure to thank him. <laughs> Thank you, Landry. We're trying to teach him how to be the best Landry we can be.
2: Uh, oh last close place one. with uh last place with 27 points. That's
1: not bad for last.
2: Enterprise Demons. Uh it's not bad for last. Hey, demons, that's uh, not so
1: bad for last place.
2: Yeah, the average score for last place before this week was 18.83. So t- twenty-seven yeah. is hundred and fifty percent of that score.
1: The last time we had a last place. So good was week 88 when the Omega Directive, Voyager, got a 28 and got last place.
2: Oh, there you go. Uh, the all-time best last place was a 34, by the way. Okay. Um, In third place <laughs> with 35 points, which is, again, quite respectable, Deep Space Nine body parts.
1: Yeah, um, it got uh, 11 on premise and characterization.
2: Uh-huh. Voyager in second place this week with Drone, 36 points. Sure, they had to rip off a couple of TNG episodes to do it, but that formula works better than their usual approach. So,
1: Yeah, that was your uh, your uh, top episode of the week.
2: Yeah, I had that one four over you, and you had half a life four over me. So that's sort of how they worked out. Yeah. I think it was probably all, a lot of it was in the premise. We were two apart on premise for both of those. The winner this week, thirty-eight points. TNG, Half a Life. That is their thirty-seventh win. They stole Voyager's third win from them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, by two points this week. It's true, Voyager. Why they almost
1: never come that close? Yeah, it's as close
2: as they've come in some time.
1: Hold on, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find the last time they were that close.
2: <laughs> it's probably gonna be a while. I'm,
1: you're not kidding. Holy shit, guys. Oh, there's, oh, I just found the number three. That's not good. If your total's three, you didn't come close. Oh, okay. They uh, were They one... last
2: finished second in week 83, but there were eight in points off there. week 79, they were one point
1: away from a win. They got 30, uh, and <laughs> the winner got 31.
2: Uh, week 79 was an incredibly bad week. Yes. Uh, Turnabout Intruder, of course. The last episode uh-huh. of TOS scored 11 points. It
1: got double zeros on premise, so...
2: And Borderland for Enterprise got a was thirty-one. Was the
1: shitty winner at thirty-one
2: to win the week? Was yeah. that uh, was that Enterprise's last win? No, no, they last won with Observer Effect. I think.
1: Yeah, they won with Divergence, which only got a twenty-five. So.
2: Oh shit! <laughs> what a trash week that was. That I guess. Was. <laughs> All right, so it turns out that Sense Voyager was last this close to first place. has won twice, but that's fine. Yes. Uh, next week is a mailbag. Oh, no, it's not.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? That'd be great if it was a mailbag. No, it's not, Fuck. dude. You know what it is.
2: Next week is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. <sighs> we already have some notes. No, some Chewbacca! Notes for that. Oh, he's fine.
1: Yeah, oh, he's okay.
2: <laughs> Don't worry about Chewie, everybody. He's going to make it. Um, But after that, after we get through that, and mercifully are done with the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, we will be doing week 96 of the Star Trek project. We're watching The Host. Hmm.
1: Kareel O'Dan.
2: A real Beverly-centric episode. mm mm-hmm. uh, We are watching Broken Link. Oh. That's the uh, season finale for Deep Space Nine.
1: It's an Odo.
2: An Odo episode. For Voyager, Extreme Risk. Yeah.
1: Well. That sounds bad.
2: Chronicles the construction of the Delta Flyer.
1: Oh, God. That's why it was foreshadowed. Yeah, I didn't talk about
2: it, but at one point
1: they said they should build a new shuttle. Blah.
2: And the second part of the Enterprise two-parter and penultimate episode, Terra Prime.
1: No. I don't want to watch it.
2: Yep, but uh, watching it will get us closer to These Are the Voyages and (sighs) then then even closer to saving us you know, more than an hour a week. So, or every other week,
1: 2021 is going to be all right. I think
2: uh, that's the hope <laughs> that is the hope.
1: Yep. All right, everybody. So send us some mail. It's uh, brothers at brother date.com. We'll get to the mailbag again in three weeks. Um, uh, you can send us email. That's what I just said. Brothers brother com. You can get Twitter machine us. That's at brother date. That's what I meant to start with. Um, brain and brain. What is brain? Um, you can fucking go to the website that's what I was yeah brotherdate.com that's where you can find all some the episodes in the Landrew and the Lobot and otherwise you know where to find us you're already listening alright Peldor Joy everybody
2: Peldor Joy <laughs> right. Science Sides really asserts its power Starts forcing honest Americans, honest to, uh, Terra
1: Prime Americans,
2: honest yeah. humans to mine moon rocks to study while uh, aliens eat at Chinese restaurants. <laughs>